All right. He says, all right. <laughs> so we're firing up. How's it going today, man? Good. How are you been doing, man? <sighs> busy. Busy. Sitting here today with Drew. Go ahead and introduce yourself, bro. My name is Drew Frisbee. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now, uh, we were talking a little bit outside of the podcast, you know, not before here, but just we know each other in life. So uh, I had some questions about not only some pop culture stuff, but um, public domain. And it seems like anytime we get on the topic, dude, it gets deep. So you're the perfect guy to ask because um, I've also been thinking about maybe doing some music for the podcast and all that type of stuff. And you seem to be the guy that has the fucking knowledge at your fingertips right off the top of your head when it comes to, uh, you know, what I might need to do in order to be legal when it comes to that type of thing. (laughs) Well, there is fair use. So, I mean, you can use a lot of stuff. I mean, there's this podcast I listen to, Talking Simpsons, where they straight up just play clips of the Simpsons and from the show the whole time and it's just fair use. I mean Fair Simpsons is fair use? I mean if you use like audio clips and stuff like that, like not in their original context, so it's like if you're talking about the Simpsons, then you can use an audio clip like Oh no shit. Yeah. But you can't just play it as like your own type thing. Yeah. You can't claim it as your your own. So it's literally contextual. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's just like how they used <laughs> Who Wants to Be a Millionaire on Meat Eater for oh, the yeah. trivia thing. Yeah, okay. Somebody literally brought that up the other day listening to that. They're like, they let you use that? And they're like, no. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't have to ask. <laughs> yeah, now, wasn't there something like a 10-second like a rule or something like that, too? That if you, if you played more than 10 seconds of a song, you have to give them credit or something like that? Yeah, there's a lot of weird... There's a lot of weird like loopholes and stuff when it comes to comes to all that sort of stuff like clips, <laughs> audio, like songs. But yeah, it's generally like a ten second rule. Like ten seconds, they'll put the timer on that bitch. Yeah. Like, all right, he's at ten oh 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 one. Yeah. Pay me. <laughs> Damn man. Damn. So like, what's I guess what would be the um persecution is it like just getting sued or is there like i don't exactly know i mean i just know like there's a lot of youtube live shows that like they won't play music because they don't want to get demonetized or whatever like it's all just it's so complicated man like all this there's just so many legal loopholes and stuff to everybody mess your way around everybody wants their hands in the pie yeah (laughs) yeah and see that's kind of what's been Keeping me from uh, from really getting into ad music and stuff, that's part of it. The major thing is, like, I'm just trying to focus on my side of the audio and stuff, you know what I mean? And then eventually, you know, I'd like to... You actually mentioned uh, The Whistling Rooster <clears throat> from Robin Hood. And the more I listen to that, the more I think it fits, dude. Like, literally. I'm telling you, bro. It's, it's pretty spot on. Pretty spot on. And I don't really want to do a thing I was telling you. I've thought about like doing a, an actual prairie dog whistling, screaming. It's not nice for the ears, bro. Yeah. It's not what you want to warm up to before you listen to me talk shit. Definitely not it. God damn. So what have you been up to in your uh, free time? 
Nothing really, man. <laughs> Not a whole lot. Just painted my garage. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's what you were saying. Ended up being a larger endeavor than you initially thought. Yeah, I thought it was only going to take a couple of days. It took like all week. <laughs> what kind of things did you run into along the way as issues? Everything. <laughs> you start with underestimation. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you underestimate the size of the project? Like as far as what it was going to take to complete it or just... Yeah, I underestimated the size of the project and I only wanted to work on it like a couple of hours a night. Like I didn't want it to ever like, I'm going, I'm coming home from work and I'm not going to bed until this is all finished. (laughs) Not to sound lazy or anything. (laughs) No, dude, not at all. You don't want to literally get out of work, put on your fucking painting bibs and then get in the garage. Yeah. Yeah, have the wife bring you dinner out to the garage. You're eating it with painted hands, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, understandable, to say the least. Understandable. But you paced it out. It didn't absorb a weekend, did it? Yeah, it absorbed the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up doing more than I originally wanted to. I ended up painting the doors and painting my workbench and building a shelf underneath my workbench. Now, you said you painted the doors black. Yeah. Classy. That's That was my thought. That's man status. I mean, look at this label on the Guinness, bro. Black. Black, bro. Classy. Smooth. Exactly. Inviting. (laughs) Inviting. You know, I'm sure there's some probably probably some interior decorators out there that would be like, no, you know, you want to have orange to invite energy and blah, blah, blah. Bust out the color wheel. Right. Fuck that. Fuck that. What'd you go with for your uh, bench? What color did you put on it? Black. Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Everything's just white and black. I just painted the garage white. It was like just old wood. Just It just looked old and dingy, so freshened it up. Did you do any sanding or just straight to the uh No, just primer straight and paint? to primer and paint. I mean, it was like the, it wasn't really like... The wood didn't really have, like, that, like, a coat or anything. Like, oh, okay. it was just already pretty, Bare. like, yeah. No shit. So how many cans of paint did you go through? One and a half. Gallons? I used a gallon of white and half a gallon of black, so. Damn. Damn. And that's not something you can just go fucking pick up when you <laughs> need it, dude. Like, store's got to be open. Certain store. Did you go to Sherwin-Williams or Walmart? Ace? Ace is the spot. Does Walmart even do it anymore? I think so, but you got to wait for whoever to come from (laughs) wherever in the store to... They've got to call in a paint specialist from Garden. Lawn and Garden. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Jesus, dude. Damn. So just flat white? I don't mean to be carrying on about the paint. No, it's it's not flat white. It's like a semi-gloss. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. What kind of projects are you going to be doing on that bench? I don't know yet. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> nothing lined up, huh? Nope, nothing lined up. I just finished building Benji a new uh, bunk bed not too long ago. That was the last big thing I built out there. From scratch? Yep. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. What'd you go with for like a layout? Like like four by four legs or yeah I just pretty much just uh, for the legs I just screwed together two four by fours oh, for each yeah. one so it was 
more support and then Stout. yeah nothing <laughs> yeah. too fancy you know just did he help help at all or no no <laughs> dude <laughs> no that's uh that's when you dress him up like tool man tim bro and you just have him out in the garage being a prop bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so kids are for man that's what they're for diapers until you need them to be a prop for something halloween is just it's their day off. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, I know also you said uh, you've been doing some writing. How's that going? It's going good, slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. As quality work does go, you know, you don't want to rush something out. I mean, unless you're on coke and alcohol. Yeah, you unless know you're Stephen is. King, you <laughs> know, can just bust out 12 stories a day. Jesus, dude. That man, I'll tell you what, not only does that man have talent, or at the time he was writing shit like Cujo and whatnot, Pet Cemetery, he had talent. I mean, he still does, but that man also had a fucking, man, I don't, I don't want to just say balls because that's too generic. No, he no had shame. balls. No shame, dude. He was fucking, Yeah. Put it all on red. You know what I mean? All of it. He, all I th- in. I think it's Maximum Overdrive. He directed Maximum Overdrive, and I think he was all coked out, and he says he can't even remember doing that movie. Or... Directing it? Yeah, I could be misquoting <laughs> it, but there's there's some <laughs> movie that was made from one of his books that he can't remember being on the set for. Holy shit, dude. Can you imagine? No. You you don't <laughs> no. even remember the book, and now you're directing it. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, yeah. I guess it, it, I you probably can imagine because if he didn't remember, just try and remember something you didn't do. <laughs> yeah, man. He Stephen King is the king. Yeah. Fuck, dude. That's uh. Is that his real name or is that his pen name? I think it's his real name. He has a pen name, though, too, Richard Brockman. Oh, that's right. That's right. I knew that. People talked shit to him saying that he could only write horror, so he wrote The Four Seasons, which is the book where it's like the Shawshank Redemption, and I can't remember. There's like three other stories in there, and there's... Mystery and fucking... Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Good old Rich Just horror, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you think I'm only good at scaring you? <laughs> yeah. I'm not scared. All you can do is write horror. Like, I'm. if I was scared, I wouldn't be picking on you. <laughs> I wouldn't be talking shit. I mean, especially some of that, some of the things that guy has wrote, man. Fuck. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, so you also said you've been uh, doing some reading. Yeah. Now, did you want to shit talk? journey at all (laughs) oh man well i usually i read every night before i go to bed so i'm i don't know i don't really have like a quota for amount of books i'm trying to read a year or whatever but whatever piques my interest i'll read it and amber got me a set of jules verne books for christmas the guy that wrote uh journey to the center of the earth mysterious island Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea a bunch more and i read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and The Mysterious Island, and they're both really good. Like, really, really good. They're really long, uh, <laughs> but 
Jules Verne wrote with like real science, like he'd spend all day at the library just like writing down like research and yeah, shit. Yeah, just research. So Damn. it's very like there's like a whole chapter of this guy using the sun to determine their latitude and longitude and in, it's the, in the book The Mysterious Island. Yeah. To Damn. find out where they've been stranded. Damn. There's like a whole chapter about it. But yeah, so I read those two and they were That's really legit. good and I got I wanted to read Journey to the Center of the Earth the most, and I don't exactly know why I didn't read it first, but I ended up getting to it, and I watched the movie, like, right before I read the book. <laughs> Damn. I was feeling really fragery, dude. so I watched the movie, and in the movie, he, Brendan Fraser carries around the Journey to the Center of the Earth book, and there's, like, the parallels from the book are happening to them in the movie so it's really cool but then when you read the actual book like none of that stuff is happening and he's not (laughs) even holding the actual book in the movie the the actual book is like thin and he's holding this like encyclopedia in the movie like 150 pages thin yeah and it's it's 184 pages and it's spoiler alert pretty boring they just (laughs) walk down a tunnel and uh no bats like, or anything? When there's like 30 pages left at the end of that book, they find out that they walked in a complete circle when absolutely nothing has happened in the book. So so did he actually get to the center and then cross center and then, like, how does that work? He the whole, walk- like, the professor is trying to fight the, like, people, like, I've, Obviously, in real life, we know that the Earth is, like, the the farther you go down, the hotter that it gets. Yep. But I think the book was written in, like, the 1870s, so I'm sure they didn't have all the science figured out, and it was no. the, uh, the hot topic of the time. <laughs> yeah, dude, so he yeah. wrote this book, <laughs> and he notes in the book, the farther they get down, like, it's not getting hotter. Like, it's a big theme in the book. Okay, so at the time, they were probably debating whether or not you know, like, cause I'm assuming volcanoes and shit, they were like weird. Yeah. That's, they go down a tunnel in a volcano in the, the book. Hmm. That's so listen, I'm not trying to set this up for bashing, but I just have some, some questions. Okay. <laughs> Shoot. So you said they're basically walking down this tunnel. Yep. And they enter in a volcano. At any point, do they make note that they're no longer in a volcano tunnel, like a caldera or whatever? Well, they don't. They don't enter in a volcano. There's like a volcano, like directly adjacent to this mountain. They end up climbing okay. and they go down this tunnel. Well, they go down a first tunnel and it leads them nowhere. So they uh, <laughs> go back. At the beginning of the book and go down a second tunnel, which they just ambiguously walk down for a hundred pages. So was that a whole chapter where they just took a wrong tunnel? Uh, Several chapters. Damn, bro. (laughs) Two or three. The book was written, like, back in the day, a lot of books were written serialized, so they would come out in Mm. these magazines. So, like, they would only release, like, a chapter of these books. So, like, when you reread a lot of these books, they're, they're paced... Sometimes very weirdly, like, there's a lot more exposition and stuff than there would be that in, like, a book that would be written today. That makes sense. That makes sense. 
That's kind of what I was wondering is if there's nothing happening. <clears throat> my theory, because when we were talking about it, I just developed my own theory, which is probably some bullshit. But I was just thinking maybe at the time they were trying to, um, adventuring was huge. You know what I mean? I don't want to say huge, but adventuring was popular. You know, there were a lot of expeditions out and about. And I think part of the draw of the expedition was finding something nobody else has found, right? Which the journey to the center of the earth, obviously nobody's taken that journey, you know? So maybe my thought is the intent of the book was to keep you on edge, always thinking, what are they going to find? What are they going to find? And like a lot of those expeditions, they'd go out and they would quote unquote fail and not really even succeed in making it back, you know? So maybe that's the keynote of the story. The golden lining is that they made it back, you know? They do make it back. They shoot out a volcano at the end and uh, land in Italy. So <laughs> They shoot out of it? Yeah, they start out in Iceland and they shoot out of a volcano at the end of this tunnel and it lands them in Italy. So they do walk uh, really far. Like Iceland and Italy are... I don't know the exact mileage, but <laughs> extremely far apart. A quarter of the world, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Damn. Okay, so what kind of supplies did they set out with? They're, they do hire a guide. They have a guide with them. I mean, they just have all your basic stuff. You know, they have rations that they've set aside. And I shouldn't say that nothing happens. I mean, there's they find, like, an extinct bird and an extinct... <laughs> species of elephants at one point in time but yeah, yeah. but here's the thing dude a gu a guide so somebody's been there before no he hasn't been there before the guide actually really does nothing they keep noting in the book how quiet the guide is really <laughs> like he's very reserved stoic <laughs> yeah <laughs> jesus dude i love it i love it yeah so they shoot out of a volcano. Do, like, does the volcano erupt, or do they just... It's, how's that work? It's with... They end up, like, in this, like, pool of... Like, they end up in water, and the water starts shooting up, and they don't exactly, like, know what's happening, and they, it's just... Damn. Yeah. Water? Yep. So they're floating out of a yeah, volcano. Yeah, because there's a sea down there that they... They find this sea in the middle of the earth, and they hmm. sail this sea for for a majority of the book, and they circle back, and they're lost in the night. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't remember the exact specifics, but no, yeah, that's, it's, that's fine. I get it. Yeah. If, if you're not engaged, bro, that's. I mean, that's my downfall. Like with my ADD and shit, I can literally be reading, and after. 10, 15 pages, if I lose interest, dude, like, my mind's wandering. I'm still actively reading and turning pages, but my mind is thinking about other shit. And then it's like, I'm reading. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, dude, where am I? Let's backtrack a little bit. Yeah, you know, I got to go back six pages and find what I last remember, you know. Not even that I recall it, like, as far as retainment, but. Huh. Yeah, so. On a scale of zero to five stars. <sighs> Ah, oh, man. One and a half. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. So that's, I'm going to lean towards 
That's not a recommended read. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I would highly recommend Twenty Thousand Leagues and The Mysterious Island. And if you want to read them, read them in that order because they loosely tie together in a really cool way. Oh, really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah, in The Mysterious Island, you're like act. There's stuff that has you like actively engaged the whole time because one of the characters, Cyrus Harding is an engineer. Spoiler like, uh, alert. Yeah, is an engineer, so he can just figure out how to do all this crazy shit. Damn. Yeah. Like a field engineer, huh? Like yeah. a MacGyver? Like he does, yeah, he can do anything. <laughs> Damn, bro. He can't make bullets, but he can do pretty much anything. Like he makes this furnace to make them dishes and stuff, and he it's... Legit? You gotta read the read the book if you're... It's pretty good. Damn. It's long, but... That's all right, dude. That's all right. A good read, as long as it's good. A lot of times, you know, you get done with it and you're upset. Not upset. I was upset. There's a, there's, you're sad. <laughs> yeah. There's a sense of loss, you know. Yeah. So, on a scale of five stars there? Five. Five. Okay. All right. Highly recommend. I'm not trying to put recommendations on your plate to serve, but... No, you're good, man. <laughs> all right. How you doing over there? You warm, cold? I'm good, man. Okay. Just let me know if you get chilly. I got heater ready to rock. All I got to do is uh, that white plug there. All right. Plug it in. Yeah. Can't forget to get a picture either. That way I can start posting them up per your and Jeff's recommendation, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, man. That's, um, <clears throat> did you want to talk about, like, uh, you don't have to talk about what you're currently writing if you don't want, but. Like any of your writing process or some of the things you've learned, experience, anything like that? Um, you don't have to, but if you'd like to. Yeah, I'm writing, it's not really as hard as people think. I mean, I've taken a couple uh, couple classes now on, uh, on it. I mean, it's pretty much just formulaic. I mean, just Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey. I mean, it's just all that stuff, but... At all, you mean you just have to have a general idea, like, this is what I want to say. And I'm assuming consistency is also probably part of it when it comes to, like, really making sure that you're making progress through it, you know. You can't just, well, what's his name that wrote uh, the Gray Man series? His first one took 10 years, so I guess that throws it out, but. For the most part, probably consistency is a big part of keeping your skill set, keeping your mind engaged, you know, research. Do you do any research for any of your projects? Or um, Yeah, I'll do, like, just if, if I have any, like, stuff I want to explain, I'll just, like, look it up really quick so I don't mm -hmm. sound, you know, stupid. I mean, I don't, I'm not like Jules Verne, like, I don't, like, deeply <laughs> research stuff. I mean, I shouldn't say that. There's there's a couple ideas in this story that I did. There's this uh, science uh, channel on YouTube where he does a lot of cool, like, uh, science videos. But, yeah, I mean, I'll just, like, write little notes and stuff. I've got okay. cards and all that fun stuff. So, like, <clears throat> okay, so take me through that process a little bit. Like, with the cards, because I'm, I, listen, not to that dog. That dog is fucking annoying. <laughs> But, like, the process, dude, I, <clears throat> a lot of shit like this, and I don't mean shit derogatorily. I just mean things, right? A lot of things like this, I'm interested 
extremely in. And it's like, they're little things I can just kind of touch on a little bit. Otherwise, I'll get in a rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Like, I enjoy the process of writing. Like, even dude, like, for example, skits. Like, when we just talk at work on break or fucking whatever. And it's like, something happens and we just start fucking riffing on it. And then all of a sudden you're improv and a skit you know what i mean it's like that'd be cool to write that yeah, down it's just and like fucking... lunchroom bullshit yeah dude like I, like i've always had a desire to kind of like capture some of those and write them down because i know somewhere they have value you know what i mean whether it's to someone that's i mean even trying to do comedy you know maybe they could take something away from that and just be like all right you know this is a short little three minute skit here's how it's written up blah 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 here's some things i would change whatever so like when you start your writing process, do you start with like um like a climax in mind, like an event, and then write around that, or like how do you do you start with like you know what I mean? Do you? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I used to not start with the climax, and I kind of just try to feel my way to the end, but it's extremely difficult. So. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, it's just kind of stuff that you just pick up after, you know, you've written so many crappy stories, you know, just little stuff like that, I mean. But again, writing, you gotta you gotta be writing to improve, you know what I mean? You're not gonna, I mean, I'm sure there are writers out there who have written fucking bestseller books their first shot without any ghost writers or editor input or whatever. But that's probably extremely rare, you know what I mean? For the most yeah. part, I'm assuming people are doing, like you said, just writing short stories, just writing quote-unquote crap, getting it out, <clears throat> and then learning from, you know, whether it's the process they're learning from, how to mesh words together, how to plot a story. So how do you, so how do you kind of start then if you don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I used to have this really big notebook where I would just, like, sit down and write down ideas that I thought would be cool stories. So I used to have, like, I would have it all dog-eared and, like, little sticky notes to have in, like, <laughs> oh, this is a good story. But I listened to this interview with Stephen King where he pretty much said something along the lines of if if a story if you have a really good idea for a story, you don't need to write it down. Like, it'll stick in your head. Because he's, like, Stephen okay. King does not do that. Like, he doesn't have a notebook full of mad ramblings. So I kind of try to stick to that philosophy, you know. Of just living the story through your head, keeping it alive. Yeah. Maybe, you know. Yeah, like, this story that I'm writing now kind of is inspired from... I listened to this podcast series on the Battle of Little Bighorn. So, I mean, that's, yeah, so that's. Give them a shout out. What's the podcast series? It's called Legends of the Old West. It's pretty good. Each season, they take you through a different real, like, retelling of real events. Fuck. So, like, this, it's historical. Yeah, it's historical. It's not made up. Damn. So how often, like, is it an active podcast or is it something that they just... Every are... week. He'll oh, take, a, like, a week off or something between seasons, but, yeah, it's pretty good. Damn. So it's something they're continuously yeah, researching. Yeah, season, and... like, 26 or 27. Jesus. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, each season's only, like, six or eight episodes, but it's all on, like, to say, like, this season is on the Hatfields and McCoys. This season is on... Um, 
the Nazi Piercy's War. This season's about Damn. Texas Jack. This, you know, stuff like that. Holy fuck. Yeah, that's, um, if Dan Carlin is listening, he needs to draw from that a little <laughs> bit, dude. Yeah. Fuck, he's putting out like three a year. My God. I mean, do you ever listen to Dan Carlin? Anything um, he puts I out? have before, but not too often. I listened to the the Con one back in the day when that first came yeah. out. Wrath of the Cons? Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. That actually, um, I don't know, dude. I'd put that in some of my top five. Some of my top five. I put that in my top five, and not all five of them, because I think there's five iterations of that, and then there's a couple posts where he just kind of, is it the addendums? And he does a couple, one or two post ones kind of reflecting on the story and whatnot. Um, but Painfotainment, bro, that's a good one. I've heard you, I, I remember you recommending this to me before now that you say that. Bro. It's, the name uh, sticks out. It's yeah. It's it's not one that I can really. I can't do it justice, man. Like I said, he does such a good job with them. Um, basically, it's just about like the history of pain for entertainment. You know, like he goes through like the Colosseum eras and kind of the, some of the philosophy, um, just like public executions, kind of explores like what it is that makes us enjoy that because even present day he makes the argument that present day we're watching movies that are extremely violent but what if you were to replace a fake death in a movie with a real death would people still go see that and then would it be more likely to sell tickets if it got out that this person really died in the making of this film you see his death on film you know versus a fake death well that has happened Oh, right, right. It, yeah, it has. It has. Sadly. It has. Yeah. Uh, several times, actually. But, so it's just kind of something like that, just going through the history of, like, public executions, public, just fucking the Romans bringing in light, flooding the Colosseum and having ship battles in it, you know what I mean? Selling fucking... One thing that did stick out from that, I'll just mention before we get away from it, but he was talking about how, like, in between Acts and the Colosseum, there would be executions. So, you know, you'd have your popcorn break or bathroom break, whatever, go stretch your legs, go outside, smoke a cigarette type shit, you know? So you'd, all right, you know, next act starts in a half hour. Oh, Jesus. Why does it do that, dude? It always says it's not connected when I disconnect it, and then it wants to pull some dumb shit. Anyway, so then you'll have, like, um, these breaks and people that couldn't afford to maybe go get a pizza or some fucking beer or popcorn or whatever, they would actually stay in the Coliseum, and the whole point was to still entertain those people while everybody else was out on break doing whatever. And that's when they would hold, like, executions for the thieves or whatever, you know. So they would still entertain the people that maybe didn't want to give up their seat or didn't have to take a bathroom break or whatever, they would keep those people entertained through what was a designated uh, intermission, you know. And that that would draw some people, just not not people, I guess, that would choose not to go take their break or whatever, but that would draw people in where, you know, there's counts of, like, 
people saying, hey, you know, do this to him or do that to him. And because there's so few people to, and, and their job is to entertain, like, you could kind of video game it and be like, rip his tongue out. And then the executioner would fucking, just to, just to entertain you, would rip his fucking tongue out, you know. And then that ended up bringing people in because they felt they had control over, you know, the execution at hand and just crazy shit, dude. So anybody out there, if 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 you have some sort of morbid curiosity, painful tainment's a good one, man. It is. It is. Sounds intense. It, it is, dude. And it's only a couple hour listen, so it's not bad. It's something you can knock out in the morning, sipping coffees, you know fucking doing dishes or something at home, you know, as long as the kids aren't, you know, old enough to really pick up on that or do it at work or in a car ride somewhere to and from. But yeah, man, so uh, (laughs) talking about the Nez Perce, huh? Any good stories that they've dug up about the Nez Perce? Um, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I, this is, this podcast is, it has 26 seasons. (laughs) So when I discovered it, I listened to them all back to back. Damn. Very, yeah. So some of them kind of blend together. Like that one, I can't really remember that much about right off the top of my head. The ones that stick out to me are where they, he'll like go and he'll be like, this season we're talking about. Jesse James. Oh, fuck. This season we're talking about Wild Bill Hickok. They just got done talking about Texas Jack. Legit. Yep. One more time. Name of the podcast? Legends of the Old West. Legends of the Old West. Recommend? Yes. Highly? Yep. Wednesdays. That's a good day. That's a good day to pick up on podcasts too, man. It is. Damn, dude. All right. Yeah, I've I've got to broaden... My horizons, personally, when it comes to, like, that type of stuff. You know, I don't, like I said, Dan Carlin, he's only putting out once every three months. You know what I mean? So Yeah, brutal world for Dan Carlin fans. Yeah, dude, it's it's rough, for sure. But yeah, so do you take uh, any inspiration for stories um, for, like, what you're writing away from any of those stories, like, I think we were talking about research. So is that, like, one of the things you use for resor- research is, like, audio resources? Okay. Yeah. I just, whatever, man. Like, I'll listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, so. Basically, whatever catches interest or. Yeah, whatever okay. just piques my interest. I've always been a really big fan of history, so. Dude. I'm always kind of just going back, you know. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that, man. Were you a fan of history in school? Yeah, it was okay. definitely my favorite subject in school. Damn, okay. So I guess let me ask you this then. What what piqued your interest in history as a youth? Was it maybe a class or a teacher or uh, a certain topic or event? I don't know, man. I just, for the longest time, I just remember, like, when I was in second grade, I was just, like, obsessed with the 70s. Like, I, like, I can't even remember what got me into all of it. And, I mean, the it 70s. just kind of just, I guess, backtracked from there. No shit. Yeah. So what were you interested in? Uh, like, what drew you to the 70s? What kind of... <laughs> What draws everybody to the 70s, man? Elvis. Uh, yeah, that's, that's true. Elvis, yeah. 
I was gonna guess like the flower art because that's something I picked oh, up yeah. on. That's something I picked up on, like uh, lava lamps. Oh yeah, for just, sure. Just, yeah, just all that cool stuff. Yeah. It's just the whole aesthetic in general. Shag carpet, bell bottoms, bro. Yes, it's oh, beautiful. Big hair, hairy chests. <laughs> Those hairy chests where it's just from your neck all the way down. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like, uh, you don't have a beard. You have a best. Yeah, <laughs> people aren't hairy like that anymore. No, dude. No. And what happened? Who knows, What man? happened, dude? Like, I don't want to say back when men were men because we still have men, but fuck, dude. Probably all this processed food. Honestly, yeah. You're, dude, you're probably <laughs> spot on. Right off the top of his head. You fucking nailed that one. Processed food. Fuck, dude. 70s. So do you have any uh, like favorite topics in school, like as far as projects or anything that you may have done that kind of stick with you or... Um, like history projects or anything that maybe, you know, you guys spent a week learning in class that you're like, fuck, I wish I knew more about, you know? I remember learning about the Oregon Trail in eighth grade. Like, that really stuck out to me. That bitch was long, bro. Very long. Yeah, long. I also, when I was younger, I can't even remember, I think my, I my mom was watching Of Mice and Men, so I stayed up late when I was like a really little kid and watched it with her. So for the longest time I wanted to read Of Mice and Men in school and I waited and they don't read it until like 10th grade. Damn. So. <laughs> Damn. And about the time you get into Edgar Allan Poe and you're like, fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's some good historical novels, man. Like, you know, Huck Finn is a good classic. Even To Kill a Mockingbird is a good one. You know, and I hear they're not reading that in schools anymore. It's like, Jesus. Why? Who you know. You should see these stupid books. I don't My want to. My kid gets sent home to read. To what? Like what? Zoe and Sassafras is one that keeps sending these fucking Zoe and Sassafras books home. It's about this girl as like a vet for magical creatures or something, and it's just, I don't know, it's just... Stupid. Yeah, I'm explaining it way better than it actually is. <laughs> uh, doing it more justice than it deserves. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Damn, dude. Yeah. The uh, So what do you think it is that's kind of... We'll get back to like your your love of history, but just on that on that note, what do you think it is that's kind of? Let me think of the words. I don't. I, I'm leaning into saying leading kids away from reflection of true history and whether it's discrimination, violence. You know, what is it? Do you think that's leading youth away from? really seeing the world as the cruel place it is, you know? I don't know, man. I mean, it could be a lot of things. I mean, it could be their life at home. I mean, it could be the stuff that they teach them in school. I mean, like I said, this story that I'm writing right now is based on the Battle of uh, Little Bighorn. I mean, they teach kids in school still to this day that 
George General Custer was a hero. I mean, and he was absolutely not a hero. No. He was a horrible man. <laughs> no. Well, I, I guess that's what I was kind of meaning is like in school, like what do you think it is that's taking the education system and pushing it in the direction of the suppression of cruelty, you know, the distortion of reality where you're getting Zoe and Sassafras where she's a, <laughs> literally a mystical vet. You know what I mean? She's working on mystical creatures. Yeah. Where Where is that out? What kind of kid's going to be like, I want to be a fucking mystical vet and then they hit 16 and they're like all right it's gonna cost me 900 million dollars you know yeah. like there's only one place i can go to school and it's some dude in fucking uganda you know what i mean <laughs> he says to bring a prince with him you yeah. know just, you know like that's not it's i feel like it's pushing one critical thought right out the window well when i think that it comes to like Stuff like that. Like, I don't want to sit here and, like, shit talk the book too much because, I mean, it's just poor. It's just poorly executed. Like, it's just not <laughs> – it's just not good. Like, but, I mean, I think they – like, I think the schools have, like, a deal with, like, Scholastic or something like that. So, like, the books that they release, they have, like, these options. They're like, oh, this, like, oh, this book is great for kids this age to this age. And they're like, oh, you know – how much well, do have I? Our kids read that this year, maybe. <laughs> we don't need to read Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or anything actually great like that. They're probably looking at their budget and being like, "So how much?" You know, <laughs> yeah, twenty dollars. They're like, oh, "We'll take it." <laughs> yeah, man, that's fucking water softener, bro. <laughs> All that background shit. But yeah, that's just something I've kind of noticed too. Um, is like there's no there's no consistency as far as like reality when it comes to I mean fuck dude P even kids that are 19 right now you know their expectations aren't real you know I don't want to say all of them because that's pretty that's pretty broad but I feel like they've been kind of hidden away from like one, the cruelty of humanity to each other, right? Whether it's racism or murder, violence, you name it. Um, that's kind of pushed back. So when they do encounter it, they don't know how to handle it because to them it doesn't exist. They haven't even read about it in a way where they can think, this is how I would react in that situation. And to me, that's kind of like the power of Huck Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird. It's like you're, you're put in a situation... Right, you're along on this journey and you have an outside perspective. And even though you're reading this book, you're not taking it as fact. Right? It's fiction for one. I mean, they teach you what fiction is in like second grade, you know what I mean? I think. I don't remember. But then to snowball off that, you're not actually in the book, right? So you these things aren't happening to you. But you're still experiencing a simulated encounter or a simulated event where you get to critically think about how you would react or maybe place value in a certain area where it almost seems like they're trying to shelter 
maybe feelings and emotions, or they're trying to keep certain words and ideas out of children's heads. But that's going to lead, I mean, it is leading right now to a lack of critical thought when it comes to like making a major decision, whether it's what school you're going to go to for, you know, your fucking bachelor's or, you know, how to break up with a girlfriend or just the simple things, dude, you know, like how... When she calls you a worthless fuck, are you going to react? You know, are you just going to hit her because you don't know any other way? You know, like, what do you, what do you think that is, dude? Like, do you think it's just a generation of parents saying, I don't want my son or my daughter to read this because I don't want them to feel a certain way? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably something like that because, I mean, if you look at it through history, I mean, we could start with, like, the greatest generation. And, and Let's That's start what there. they want to call themselves. Every generation after that is, like, their parenting skills get softer. They're like, my dad was a fucking asshole when I was a kid. I'm not going to yeah. be like that. So they don't do that, but then somehow, I mean... Kids are kids. I mean, they see the world, <laughs> I don't know, they, with, I don't know. They see the through world. Through rose-colored glasses. Yeah, man. through rose-colored glasses. I mean, so those kids end up saying that. My dad was a fucking asshole. I'm not going to be like that. And then, you know, their kids end up saying the same thing. So, I mean, it's just well, stuff like that, you know, multiple factors. But, I mean, I just, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like you said, I like what you said about books that let you see something through other people's perspective. Because, yeah. I mean, that's very important. I mean, that's a big theme in Huckleberry Finn. That's what makes it so great. I yes. mean, he's traveling on this raft with an African-American at the time when there was slavery. I mean, and they make it very abundantly clear, those themes in that book. Yeah. I mean, and I even remember reading, we read about World War II for years in school i swear to god about yeah. the nazis there's a lot of i can't remember off the top of my head but there was a lot there's a lot of good books about like that stuff too dude there's listen <laughs> there's there's something about being honest that a kid respects from the get go excuse me now this is from my experience of not only seeing it, but talking to parents and teachers and other people that have interactions with kids, right? Like, if your kid comes and asks you, what are you doing? And you just happen to be fucking lighting a cigarette, right? Or you're going outside to smoke a cigarette, and they ask, where are you going? And you, you're honest, and you tell them, I'm going to smoke a cigarette, right? One, they respect that. You're not going to snuff their curiosity by lying to them and telling them, I'm just going to go run to the car or whatever, right? But kids are intuitive as fuck, and they kind of already know what you're doing. If you come back in smelling like something, like a cigarette, when you didn't leave smelling like a cigarette, the next time they smell a cigarette, they're going to piece together that when you go outside to the car or whatever, you're doing whatever that guy outside the store was doing, smoking a cigarette. And then immediately they might start to have doubt. You know, you got an innocent five, six-year-old kid. He might not have doubt immediate, 
but he in a way knows or she in a way knows that you're lying and that's just going to drive the curiosity further you know and that's just a shitty example but that's just an example that popped up like if you're going to be honest with kids not only are they don't don't necessarily treat them like adults but treat them adult like you know what i mean if that makes sense like by lying to a kid and telling them that this is not something you want to do, it's going to make them want to do it. That's the curiosity. You're not going to tell me what I do or don't want to do, but if you explain to me some of these risks, benefits, whatever, where I can make my own decision, honestly, you're just honest with me about what it, what it does to you, you know, how you feel, whatever, likely they may not follow you down a path you don't want them to follow you down but that starts with honesty you know and again dude reading to me that's huge i mean kids nowadays have their phone and they're on youtube they're on fucking whatever and they're reading shit that you don't even know they're reading they're watching porn they're watching people lose their heads you know what i mean they're seeing all the extremes and then when they come to you with a question not i'm not saying you specifically but a lot of parents, when they're approached with a question, it's downplayed as in, oh, you know, that's just whatever, you know. It's just not the way you see it as. Oh, that's probably fake or it's whatever, you know. Instead of having the conversation difficultly, di the difficult conversation. And I like what you said about if you start with the greatest generation and you start looking down the line. Dude, we're all assholes, Okay. From the 70s to the 80s, you can see a huge jump. I mean, you had, six, what was it, the 60s was sexual liberation-ish, 60s-ish. Yeah. Okay. So you can see a huge jump because through the 60s, there was a sexual liberation. Then the kids that were growing up in the 70s, maybe their parents were swingers. Maybe their parents were neighbors to swingers. And you can kind of see the, the polar division where either you were super fucking... I don't want to say promiscuous, but you were comfortable with being around people and their bodies, or you were extremely uptight. And then you get to the 80s, where now those kids that were either raised in a household that was promiscuous or a household that was extremely uptight, they're out and about all together. And they're talking about, oh, my dad was fucking all three of my neighbors, you know what I mean? And my mom was doing the same, or you got this guy over here that's like, well... You know, my dad didn't let me out of the house. I was fucking good boy church. You know what I mean? Whatever. Goody two-shoes. And now I'm free to do what I want, you know. And look at the 80s, bro. Like, Crazy times. Yeah. And then you take those kids that were raised in the 80s with parents that were doing blow-off dicks or whatever. You know what I mean? And then look at the 90s. You have, like, like a sad culture. Like, like the grunge. Yeah. Fuck the world. Exactly, dude. You have these kids that are like, wow, I was neglected, and then now it's, why me? Woe was me. Fuck the world, you know what I mean? And then look at the 2000s, bro. Yeah, neon's back, yes. everything's bright, colorful, happy times. Yes, because you had from fuck the world and those parents where the kids are like, I don't want to live like that. And then, exactly like you said, bright colors, everything's great, glitter everywhere, dude, like... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. 
But it starts with the honesty, I guess I'm trying to say. So, that was a rant and a half, but (laughs) ramble. But as far as, like, kids reading, what, what, what would you recommend as far as, like, maybe a couple steps that we could take in the education system or even, like, societally to make it more normal for kids of a certain age, let's agree on 10 plus, to maybe read some of these things that, especially with all the transgender shit and everything going on, maybe maybe read something that gives them some sort of self-evaluation of what they would do in a situation of, you know, seeing somebody else oppressed or they themselves being put in an, in an oppressive position or an uncomfortable position where now they have to interact with somebody that they don't necessarily agree with. So instead of trying to shut them down, they're going to listen, you know, like, do you have any steps that you think we should maybe look at taking? It's tough, man. I mean, reading definitely, it has a negative connotation. Like, you know, not a lot of people like reading. It's not even on their far, far to-do list. But I, th- when it, when you're talking about kids and stuff, trying to get them into read, because, I mean, that's when, you know, we develop our patterns early. So, I mean, yes. that's when you really want to, you know get them hooked. I think you just you just need to let them be free to read whatever they want. I mean, you know, I'm just if they don't want to yeah. read this a boring book, I mean, they're not going to be interested. I mean, it's going to they're going to be like, "Why would I read this book? That last book was so boring." But then that's also hard too because there's a lot of books being banned now retroactively. That's a, good a lot point. of good books. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I've seen that picture where like librarian has put down. Oh, these are all the banned books. Like, just yeah, keeps them all in like the front. But like, yeah, I mean, to snowball off that, I agree, dude. It's something you got to start young. You know, I agree with letting them read what they want for the most part. You know, maybe don't let your eight-year-old grab a hustler off the shelf and be like... No, you know, know, guide (laughs) guide them. Yeah, but I think encouragement is huge. And honesty, again, honesty is kind of, I feel like, the foundation because really a kid is looking to you for guidance. And when they have something they encounter mentally, you know, whether it's in in their imagination or a struggle they have mentally with themselves or someone else... They kind of look for you to guidance. Whether they ask you or not, they kind of see and gauge how you handle situations. But also, like, there's there's a level of trust that, you're, that you aren't going to be the one to lie to them. You know, I mean, you're their parent. I almost think that it branches out further than reading, too, because now you've got, like what we're doing right now, dude, you got audio content where a kid could literally have their parents get on audiobooks and fucking buy the book they want to read where they can listen to it as a bedtime story every night, you know? And maybe they're getting a context of whatever the person reading the story to them is putting in the inflections, you know? Maybe they don't necessarily retain all the content. Um, but I think influencing good habits or supporting good habits as far as taking time to read every night or every morning, 
um, coming home and doing their homework, especially if it's reading homework, listening to podcasts or watching videos that are educational and informative, not just about a historical event or topic, but also like current social things, historical social things, you know, something that is even prevalent to that kid at that time, you know, whether they're in hockey or whatever, you know, just maybe some news events that are going on with something that ties to them to get them engaged in that cycle of obtaining information, filtering it through their own personal filter, and then giving it critical thought, you know what I mean? If that makes sense. No, I get it, man. Yeah. So, yeah, back to uh, the Battle of Little Bighorn. <laughs> we just took a rant. ADD, dude, I told you. The shit. I got some post words I'm going to put up here in the next couple days to help keep me on track as far as, like, you know, certain bad habits to avoid. Like similes. Just trying to make up similes on the spot. Like, this thing would be like that if you just, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get away from that. Uh, just a lot of shit. Disclaimers. If I make a claim or say something that people could take as facts, you know, I always want people to be doing their own research, man, you know, but a lot of people have to be told that or reminded that, hey, look this up before you fucking do it, you know, so just little shit like that. Shit to keep my ADD fucking from going off into the weeds and never coming back, you know. But yeah, it's battle a little bighorn. So what what type of things? I know you were talking about Custer. That prick. That fucking douche, dude. Douche. One of my favorite things about Custer. I'll, I'll let you ran a little bit on Custer, but one of my favorite things is how that old lady was talking about poking out his eardrums, so that in his next life he may be more prone to hearing their warning. And it's like. Deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah dude. He deserved it, man. I mean, he was awful. I mean, arrogant. So awful, man. I mean, it's. He literally. There's. For those who don't know, the Battle of Little Bighorn, pretty much in the 1800s, we. There was this treaty saying there was, this this land is for the natives. Nobody is to subsede this land. Like nobody's to touch it. The, it was the black. I believe it was the Black Hills, mm-hmm. and the Black Hills were very rich in gold. Um, the so, foothills too, right? Yeah. So people wanted it. They wanted it bad. So <laughs> yeah. Custer. He had already broken the treaty a couple times to mine for gold in there, but this final time, I mean, he balls to the walls. I mean, he led all these soldiers to this battle to try to take this land from the Native Americans, and he ended up being, like, vastly outnumbered, and he beers off by himself away from his party at some point during the battle so nobody's really like a hundred percent sure what exactly happens to him after a certain point but he dies in the battle i mean he raped women and children i mean just did all this awful shit man i mean and then 
the I, the president knew that he was going in there at the time, but then when all of the shit happened, uh, yeah, he claimed that he didn't know. What it was. <laughs> like, uh, does that sound like anything current? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just really nasty, man. Because they they say on the podcast that like if the if that land was left to the Native Americans, it would be like one of the richest independent countries in the world. I mean, and it's just so fucking stupid that like, yeah, it's just dumb. There's a, didn't he have a band of miners that went in there and got killed? And that kind of is what set him off. Yeah. He, I can't remember exactly, but he was in there and on that land a number of times before the actual battle, like getting gold and all that stuff. Yeah. Irritating. Irritating because, I mean, one, it's American history that there's fucking statues of this guy. (laughs) There was a statue of him in Monroe for the longest time, but they finally took it down. Well, that's that's kind of that's kind of the shade I was gonna cast. Is like this is American history, and it's. Instead of, again, being honest, right? <laughs> yeah, they teach kids that this guy's a hero in school. Right. Still. There's there's a level of arrogance and I think fear of the truth, you know, where you want something to be one thing and it's not, but you have the pen and you have the paper and you have the opportunity to disseminate this information. So what do you do? You know, do you want to admit that, you know, a platoon of Americans went through a fucking Vietnam village, raped, pillaged, went crazy. Or do you just want to be like, let's just strike that from the fucking record. You know, exactly. You don't want to make yourself look bad. No. And that's the thing is like, I think that's where the disconnect is. It's this American history. And in order to really progress, we have to know the truth, the good and the bad, so that we can make comparisons and then ultimately a decision that, hey, remember what happened when people previous came across an extremely similar scenario? Let's not repeat that. Or, you know what? If we're going to repeat that, let's at least be prepared, because this is what happened when X did Y, you know? We don't have that. Like you said, he was a fucking hero, dude. Yeah, it's so... It's incredible. It's incredible. I'm going to pause for... Well, I'm not even going to pause. I'm just going to grab an angry orchard, give one of those a try. (laughs) I mean, fuck, dude. It smelled good when you you cracked it. It is good. Got the old cooler. That's the new uh, upgrade to the studio. It's a cooler outside the... Just outside, not even a door. Don't even have a door. You know what I mean? Have a fucking, had a door on it because this was my bedroom. But (laughs) no longer. It got too hot and humid in here with the door, so I figured I'd leave it open because I've got this equipment in here. And then, like I said, if you get cold, I got this blanket. I got some tacks. We can turn the heater on just to fucking get some ambient in here. So what's some of your uh, favorite... Native American history. 
as far as like obviously metal little bighorn you said you're writing a story on it kind of right now or kind of loosely based on it or it's kind picking of loosely up some... based on it, like the just the same general themes i mean it's a science fiction story so i mean in the story um the earth is fucked i mean we destroy the earth so we have to go to this other the nearest mm-hmm. inhabitable planet which is um outside like a little bit outside of our solar system so i mean when we get there there's this native species that live there and i mean and they make a treaty (laughs) that you know the native people will stay off to the east and you know their land won't be touched but there's this mining town on the the edge of the border and there's a certain gentleman that subsedes the treaty and it's yeah so just the same general themes it's little it's got more sci-fi leans to it not like heavily or anything it's not like nobody's got a lightsaber or anything (laughs) or laser blasters no that's i mean even if they did dude i'd still read it (laughs) so was it like subterranean mining or like surface mining it's pretty like the the big point of the book is that, like, we, like, our hubris is too big, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, we can't really, like, we get to this planet, I mean, and it's, we can't even cut down a fucking tree. Like, it's, like, everything is extremely difficult, so pretty much in this story, there's, like, a like a bunch of mining settlements and towns break off just in search for resources, just. Damn, okay. Okay, live leak. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. You got a title for it? It's called The Endangered Species. Damn. Okay. And then we're the endangered species? Yes. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I love it. Yeah, because we go to this planet, I mean, and we're pretty much are stuck there. Like, the ship can't go anywhere. Like, we can't really... They can't travel in space. There's no, there's, I mean, never a massive, mass extinction of dinosaurs on this planet. So there's no fossil fuels or anything to even fuel their ship. So, I mean, they Damn. pretty much land this giant sh- ark ship. I call it the ark it, that takes them there. I mean, and they just build the, the biggest, their capital around this ship. Damn. Okay. So it's, it's, it's almost like the center of their. Yeah. Initial settlement. Yeah, and resources are really abundant. Like, uh, nobody even has guns. I mean, they can't even, they don't have all the stuff to make bullets. I mean, making bullets is a very, on here, somewhat simple process. I mean, mm-hmm. you just need a few certain elephants, you know, elements, you know, sodium nitrate. You're pissed. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Drink some water, wait 20 minutes. But this is a whole different planet. I mean, they don't have the same resources that we have here. So, I mean, everything's different. There's, uh, there's a lot of thought that went into that. Like the whole fossil fuel thing, no mass extinction, kind of blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. For real. I needed a reason for them to be stuck there because I didn't want it to be like heavy, like, you know, we're flying off into, like, we can fly off into space and just, you know, hang around. Like, no, I wanted, you know. A reason that they were stranded. Yeah. Okay. No, that's. They need. I like that. They need to be not good at doing anything in the story. (laughs) I mean, it's. Yeah, kind of bring some uh, humility to the settlement 
civilization. What would that be called? Would that be? It's not quite a dandelion seed, right? If they're fleeing this planet to go somewhere else, what would you call those people? Not necessarily pioneers, because they're doing it for a reason. I I would I would say pioneers, like for okay. sure. I mean, it's definitely the same general thing they're doing. I mean, you know. Well, I guess that's true. Yeah. Pushing west. Yep. But in the solar system. <laughs> exactly. Damn. So, if you don't mind me asking, how do they get there? Is there like a wormhole, or how do they... There's just... It's... I, I wanted to use really basic science, because, I mean, that's what Jules Verne does, and I I like a lot of, like, Jules Verne books. So, I mean, Fair. it's pretty much... They just build this big ship I call the Ark, and it's... I list a certain amount. Oh, like how far away it is, but it's it's this planet that's like outside of Neptune, the farthest planet in our solar system. So they just take this, Damn. they just take the ship there. I mean, and it takes it takes them like a little bit over a year to get there. But I mean, in real life, it's it would take like over almost twelve years to get to Neptune. So I mean, yeah. that's a little I bent some facts a little bit for that one. But well, you know. I don't know, man. If you were to use Jupiter and slingshot, right, match their its gravitational pull, so it kind of slingshot you out. I think you could do it in a year. Could you get to Jupiter in a year? First off, I don't know. Right off the top of my head, I guess you'd you I could. Think it's like five years to Mars or something like that. Hmm. So you'd have to be, I mean, in theory, you could get there instantly if you had teleportation, right? So you could do it in a year, but I'm talking about with our current technological that we know of. Well, the story starts in the 23rd century, so it's like 200 years from now. So, like, there's vague reason in, like, you know, we could have developed a better engine for rockets in 200 years, you know, so they would be a little faster. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I'm excited for you to finish it. No pressure. I'm not going to ask when you're intended on having it done either because I don't, I don't want to don't want to put pressure on you. But I know you're working pretty hard at it, so trying to. Yeah, that's um I'm eager to read the rough draft, bro. You know what I mean? I hope I I get a copy of it, you know. Yeah. That's uh goddamn. Hell yeah. So what kind of inspiration did you pull from uh, the Battle of Little Bighorn to put into your novel? Um the the um, the natives and like I call them in my story the Terrans. Um, the, okay. The natives and the Terrans. I mean, there's this piece of land I'm, that the Terrans want. I mean, that whole general breaking the treaty thing. But I also feel like in the real world, I th- like I think I love Native American culture. Like I feel like they were superior to us in many ways. I mean, I. Yeah. No, so I mean, yeah, in the, yeah. that's in the story. I mean, this native species is like, way better at living. I mean, <laughs> and just doing everything than us. So I mean, it, well, I mean, right off rip, I would almost assume that they'd be superior at survival on their planet, you right? Know? But then again, you tie that into Europeans coming here. I guess from the European side, they. They were kind of like when the kids leave the classroom or when the fucking teacher leaves the classroom. Kids go crazy, you know. Yeah. There's no king. 
there's all this game that they could never touch because they'd lose their head or their hand, you know, and now they come to America and then, you know, they encounter these people who end up getting sick and die because, you know, there's all this livestock and whatever else diseases they brought over with them, you know. So I can see where here there's kind of like, I don't want to say like, you've like I could see where they maybe felt like they deserved a little more because they're coming from a monarchy, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I can also see where the disconnect would have been with all these people are still living off the land. Like, we have agriculture. Like, we can stay in one spot and support ourselves. So, like, in your story, do the do the natives, are they, like, um, agriculturists or are they, like, nomadic? They, they don't, they don't, they stay in one place. They have this, like, really nice kind of, uh, I don't want to say civilization because, I mean, it's not, it, but, yeah, I mean, they have one place they stay, you know, this is. Like a main hub of their society. Yeah. It's on the edge. They have, like I wrote in my story, it's on the edge of, um, this mountain range they have like all these buildings and stuff like inside of this mountain i mean and it's like pathways and stuff to get from like streets in the middle of this mountain and like stuff. subterranean so, not subterranean i mean it's just like they're on the edge of this mountain oh okay like, so on the it, mountain okay yeah okay no shit Damn, dude. So is there, like, one major patch of land, or, like, how like how it's, is the planet kind of laid out? It's, um, I can't remember. I think I have, their land is the West. Like, they, the what? like, nobody goes fucks with the West. Okay. Like, <laughs> because I wanted that to, like, I wanted to recreate the Wild West in this story, so. Okay. yep. So literally, you're going to have people pushing through, uh. A forbidden territory, in other words. Okay. Dude, that's exciting. Seriously, that's fucking... Yeah. So, like, in your story, then, I know you said uh, you wanted to kind of recreate the superiority of the natives and their homeland. So, like, do you have any uh, little examples of, like, that you want to leak? You don't have to. But (laughs) do you have anything you want to leak about, like, maybe some conflict where it kind of shows their superiority over, you know... There is the Terrans, right? Yeah, there is this element that um, a gentleman of um, notoriety discovers. It's called Primium. I mean, it looks like gold, but I describe it. I mean, it's pretty. It's like tw- twice as strong as steel and uh, as light as aluminum. So damn. Yeah, it's so. There's this new element discovered, and that's what wants this one guy to push this treaty. He wants to mine as much of this as he can. Um, but we don't really know, like the Terrans don't really know what to do with it exactly. They just like want it's it. extremely, <laughs> yeah, it's extremely hard to mine. Like the success rate's not very good. It's very hard to melt down and stuff. But you get to the natives, and they like have perfected this one element is the it's like the pivotal it's like the most important thing in their society i mean they use it to grow plants they use it for medicine i mean they use it to build weaponry like it's just everything i mean it's damn 
but we don't we're, <laughs> we don't know what to do with it or just like it's pretty and yeah. it's cool damn dude yeah that's uh that's gold here on earth dude that's exactly wow yeah so you've put a lot of thought into that motherfucker so i guess this 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 premium I know you said they kind of use it for medicine, agriculture. I'm sure, like, structure, you know. So, like, I guess take me through, like, the thought process on the conflict between the primium. Like, obviously, I know we were talking about gold earlier and Custer breaking treaty to get gold. But, like, when it comes to, like, the mining, like, how are the, the Terrans trying to established mining processes like what's kind of some of the experimentation like like are they sending spies in you know to watch the natives do any of the mining or are they just winging it you know it's one guy there's a town that's like on the border of the native land and he accidentally finds it i mean it's an already like pre-established mining operation but he accidentally finds this element and it kind of makes him start to go crazy. Like, I mean, he's, like, keeping people hostage and stuff, like, in this, mining this cave. Like, like 24-7. Natives? Not natives, just people, like, kids, women from the town. Oh, like, no shit. Just, okay. Yeah, this one guy is who's going crazy. I mean, and he kills the marshal of the town. I mean, and that's, like, what starts everything. Like, he wants to break off kind of, like, God damn. The union in the the civil war. Like, he wants to break off. He wants to use this element to be, like, a king. Like, he wants power. And he thinks this element is going to be his way to... Yeah, even though he doesn't know exactly what it is, but he knows <laughs> he wants it. So, um, is... I guess walk me through, like, some of the technological differences between... The Terrans and, like, the natives. Like, for example, do they have electricity on the planet? Or are they still operating on, like, um, like a daytime schedule? You know what I mean? They don't ha really have a nightlife because, you know, they're limited to lanterns and, you know. Like there, there is no electricity. Um, it's a big theme in this book. Like, we get to this planet, I mean, and we're pretty fucked. I mean, we... I mean, we have, we lit, like, the Terrans live in these, like, elaborate uh, mud huts with these, like, really cool, um, I can't remember the name of it. It's uh, those cool, like, windows that you see in the Middle East where they're, like, open and they're, like, all these, like, cool shapes and stuff. Is that the, it starts uh, with an yurts? R. Yurts? It starts with an R, I think. I can't remember the name of it. But they live in these, like, really cool, like, mud huts and stuff. But there's no technology. I mean, they don't even have bullets or anything so it's pretty crude i mean it's pretty reminiscent of like the 1860s yeah dude that's awesome okay so i'm seeing a lot more ties then so the terrans do they come with a plan they it's pretty much they just got to get out of there they have this arc i mean they have what they think they'll need i mean they have animals seeds you know vague supplies i mean that's one thing is is that this ark slowly gets disassembled into all of this other stuff that they have to use because they don't have a lot of resources okay so are they more scavenging 
then at the time? Yeah. Versus, let me just ask this. You don't have to leak it if you don't want to, but agriculture, how do the seeds work out? Do they grow on the planet or? They can't grow them. Damn. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not like a desert. I mean, there is right, stuff right. that's still there, but. Well, I mean, it, it is it is a desert. Like, the story takes place in the desert, but there's still, I mean. Trees. S- and trees and stuff that have fruit that they can get. I mean, and it's. I shouldn't say they can't do it. I mean, it's just they don't like the succession rates not very high they don't really know how yeah it's different i mean you're literally in a whole other world yeah yeah no i'm I'm just curious so as far as like um animals go i know you said basically they can't even cut down a tree you know they were so they're so feeble or ill-equipped ill undereducated, you know, when it comes to what they're actually up against. So, like, the animals, are there any animal conflicts as far as, like, predatory dangers, or are they at conflict with, like, obtaining food from animal sources, or... They have, like, they took a lot of, like, livestock animals, so they still have, like, all that kind of stuff. I mean, beef is still, I mean... Yeah. Active um, breeding of livestock, okay. So they still, you know, they still got all that going on. Okay. All right. Yeah, dude. So the the only thing that that kind of makes my mind jump to is like, are they doing any sort of population control to so that they're not outgrowing their resources? Well, in the beginning of the story, like I explain like all of the events that lead to them. Sorry, you, th- dude, that leads going... <laughs> to them having to go to this other planet, and in that explanation, like the population is just diminishing and diminishing so there's not even like really a lot of people by the time okay they get to this planet so it's not even a concern it's the farthest <laughs> thing that's from their mind survival first yeah survival then fucking yeah okay cool dude yeah that's like i said dude i'm excited to uh get a copy in my hands or on my phone so i can scroll through it because that's i mean it sounds fucking good dude like You've put a lot of thought into it. So what's some of the process with writing it? Like, I, I know in passing we've talked about, like, you've got note cards. So are you keeping, um like, certain plot lines or events on note cards? Or are you doing, like, um things you want to tie in or remember to tie in or tie back to on note cards? Like, how are you kind of organizing the writing of the story? I pretty much I start by writing just a giant on blob of the story and um, pencil and paper. I mean, and just kind of slowly work my way back from there. I, you know, reread it, I mean, and see what I like and don't like, and then I'll write it again. And then, you know, I'll write down like characters that are important to this story. So, and like, you know, what those characters are like. And then when I have like the rough draft, if that's what you want to call it, finally to where the point where I like and I have like, you know, my characters, then I'll start typing it out and stuff. That's what I'm doing right now. Well, I'll actually first I'll bullet point everything, like every like court, like almost like when you open like a DVD and it's got like the scenes like. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll have, like my rough draft bullet points and my note cards. Okay. Like, the note cards, like, I'll have people, and then I'll have, like, like key places. 
like uh, antagonist, protagonist, yep. kind of shit like that, so you remember. Okay. Yep, and their character traits. So it's like if I have a twi- scene, you know, between these two characters, and I have like this guy and this guy together, I'm like, I don't, you know, this guy, his characteristics, like he wouldn't do this or this. He would do this. Okay. All right. Cool. So, so you're even maintaining like their character aspects. So there's, and again, I don't know, I haven't read it, but is it something where you can even use that for like a plot twist where when you look at that, you can be like, all right, he's not expected to do this or this is out of character. So it's going to be more dramatic for him to make this decision. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, that's something that's really important in stories because, I mean, you have your plot, I mean, and then you have your character arcs. So, like, every character mm-hmm. is supposed to change at the from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, no matter how big or slight it is. Like, there is supposed to be, like, a clear action that, like, our objective that this person has to overcome. So, like, a growth yeah. type thing or a regression, yep. you know? Okay. So without leaking too much, like, uh, I'm going to assume that the dude that goes crazy with the mining, is he an antagonist? He, he <laughs> yeah, his name is Doc Custer. Doc Custer. Okay. Now, As of now, I mean. I don't uh, well, right, right. <clears throat> but as of now, with his antagonism, is he, does he have... I mean, I've, I know you said he killed the marshal, but is he like, um, is he kind of like a sub storyline or is he like active in, you know what I mean? The engagements with the rest of the, he is like the driving force. Like he is like, we, his, the, this is what we have to stop. Like he is who gets our protagonist to the natives, like him, like his, you know, him killing the marshal at the beginning of the story is what ignites all of this shit that goes off. Like, damn. Okay. But, so, so he's even kind of like the spark to get. Would you call him branch stories or sub stories? Kind of the, the yeah, spark to the, get all those. Yeah, he's the seed that like this story is go. You know what I mean? Yeah, branches off from, grows from. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, like I said, dude, I've. I'm just extremely curious about, like, not just individuals' writing processes, because that, dude, every writing process, for the most part, is a little different. And, like I said, I just love talking to people about, like, their passions. So, But I'm I'm genuinely curious because it's, like, um, it's something I've always had an interest in doing. But, again, it's, like, a lot of things, you know people have passions that they never quite pursue or they dabble in and they don't stay consistent with it. And it doesn't become like cooking, for example, I'm sure, you know, a couple of people that like to cook, they're probably very good at it. And then you mentioned that, Hey, do you could do this for a living? And I'd rather not because then I won't enjoy it type thing, you know? And it's not that I wouldn't enjoy writing for a living. Cause I don't know. Or writing for, you know, let's say, not myself, like a paper or something. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'd like writing articles for fucking outdoor life or whatever. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I've always been kind of intrigued on like, even the callbacks, you know what I mean? How they, you can set something up in a story in the beginning that kind of you get away from to like a sub story or the main story. 
and then you call back to something that happened at the beginning that the reader forgets about. And just like the way that a writer can take a reader through a journey in their mind. And you're a perfect person to have this conversation with because have you ever read... Did I give you... I can't remember if I gave you the The Pendragon Pendragon books. books? Yeah. Did you ever read any of those? I think I read the first two of them, I think. Okay. Now, there's... I've had conversations back when I was a teen about those books with some of my friends that were also reading them. Not just those books, other books, but those books we're going to use for this particular example where we would just be doing reviews on the playground or whatever, you know what I mean, in the gym, whatever. And everybody saw something or had a different image in their mind about what's actually going on i mean you still have the main plot but even like the way we envisioned a character was different even if they gave us character physical traits the image we had in our head was different the image we had of certain settings was different with major highlights you know like a subway okay you know this is on the wall okay but we all envisioned a subway a little different maybe somebody had like gray concrete where somebody had like brown dingy concrete you know what i mean just like those little those little traits that you paint in somebody's mind or you give them the baseline and then their imagination takes it and kind of creates like the environment. You know what I mean? So like how how do you kind of create the environment that you're looking for the reader to envision? You know what I mean? Like words are hard, bro. So like how, how do you, do you have any tricks or traits that you're using as far as like strategies or tactics to get a reader to envision a certain thing. Like when it comes to the ship, you know what I mean? Do you have a certain image in your mind? And then how do you convey that image so that like a reader is picking up on kind of what you're imagining when you're writing it? It's pretty much, I mean, it's all in the descriptors. I mean, if you're talking stuff like that, I mean, you don't want to, like, go through and overanalyze and explain everything that's in the room or exactly what everything looks like, like, you know, H.P. Lovecraft, but... Um, <laughs> talking about the grout. <laughs> you know, there's, like, a certain way that, I mean, you can do it where it's to leave it open for your imagination. I mean, like, in a lot of science fiction stories, ships are described as cigar-shaped. I mean... Yeah. There's, I mean, what is cigar shaped? You know, that's dude. That's actually a pretty good point because all cigars, not all, but most are, they have their unique shapes. Some are pyramids, you know, pyramid cigars, and some yeah. are, have the squares. That's a good point. So I guess I still don't really know how to word what I'm trying to ask, but like, do you are there certain areas that you leave open for the reader to kind of imagine their own scenescape or certain things, or are there like certain highlights that are important for the reader to pick up on that you're kind of instilling in their mind and then letting their mind imagine the rest around them. You know what I mean? Like if there's something that I want to like at the beginning of the story, like point something out because at the end of the story, this is going to be a very, like a big deal. You want to point it out, but you don't want to make like a suit, like a super big deal about it you know what i mean like a three-page fucking yeah no i mean it just wants to be this little thing so you know like like oh whatever yeah you know but enough to where you remember at the end okay all right 
So that's, and that's probably something that you pick up with time writing too. Yeah. I mean, and that's, yeah, I mean, that's just, I don't want to say finesse, but I mean, and it's just, it I is. mean, that's, that goes into comedy too. I mean, and it's just all in set off, set up and payoff. It's an art. Yeah. It is. Dude, writing is an art. I mean, storytelling is a fucking art. And then when you merge the two. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's good. That's good. Well, I don't want to beat you to death on the book. Um, so, I mean, if, you know. No, you're, you're if, good, if man. I'm burning you to ask any, ask any questions you want, bro. Cool. So, uh, just stepping away from the, the book for a second, but keeping on kind of the theme of space travel. Have you been keeping up with any of this alien leak shit? No, I have not. Bro. There's, um, oh, what's his name? I just saw today when I was looking at, uh, the Meat Eaters new trivia, there was a Joe Rogan drop. I can't remember his name, but he's an alien guy, and I've been pretty eager to listen to that because the dude's... Last time he was on, he had some crazy shit. Or maybe he wasn't even on Rogan when I was listening to him. Maybe he was on Lex Friedman. But there's been some some weird leaks. Like, uh, dude, it's it's just it's hard for me to get away from the fact that, like, do you remember the Commander David Traver incident? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's hard for me to ignore shit like that. Like. I don't I don't know if you've heard about the kids in Africa. I can't remember the name of the town where there was like two or three hundred kids on a playground and this alien craft came down and like they got within ten feet of the craft, you know what I mean? And like thirty years later they find some of these kids at the time and they not only did these kids make drawings at the time but they got some of these now adults together to tell some of the stories individually and even recreate, redraw what they saw. And they're all so similar that it's like hard to, hard to just. Like, yeah, these people definitely went through the same experience together. Right. There's an old episode of Unsolved Mysteries where they talk something like an event similar to that happened where these group of friends had went like on a fishing trip or something and they were like camping and for some reason they were out like on the water at night in their boat and they said they saw a spaceship and it started slowly coming towards them and I can't even it's been so long since I've seen this episode but they all just kind of woke up and just didn't really think anything of it and Never really talked about it for the longest time, but they this one guy ended up starting to have like nightmares about it, and all these people ended up getting like hip like hypnotized and I like and yeah, like these guys went through the same experience together. Like they all described the same interior of this spaceship. Like what? Yeah, it's crazy, man. I mean, you if you want to get into aliens, I mean, it's so crazy to think about. I mean, when a lot of people think about space, they just think about the Milky Way galaxy. Yeah. Or they think about our solar system. Emptiness. Just, yeah. But, I mean, space is so huge, man. I mean, there's so many other galaxies that we've, it's impossible for us to go to. I mean, the closest one is the Andromeda galaxy. Nobody knows what's in the Andromeda galaxy. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. To think, I mean, there's so many other, there's millions of planets even in our solar system that we have never been to, we don't, we can't look into them. I mean, it's 
there's a great guy on YouTube. I think his name is Gate or something. I can't even. He's like an Australian guy that he talks about stuff like this. Just the Andromeda, dude. Let's just imagine we're the only galaxy. We don't know what's in the fucking Milky Way, bro. You know what I mean? Like, no, I mean, and then I like like a lot of people think about space like it's this table, like this is Earth, this is the Sun. You know, this is right. Neptune's way back here, but I mean, there's you up, know, up and down. down. I mean, there's yeah. a whole fight sequence in Star Trek de- dedicated to that man. That's true, dude. That's that's hundred percent. 100%. Where they go, like, I can't remember, they go down or up, and this ship is looking for them, and they just slowly emerge from behind, from behind. Like, yeah. yeah, space is three-dimensional. I mean, there could be a, directly above us another populated planet, I mean, millions of miles away, but we would have, I mean, no idea of knowing. Obviously, they're probably, might not be as intelligent as us if, I mean, that's... That's the question. That's the big question is, is there life out there and is, are they as intelligent as us? Because if they are, you would think that they would come and seek us out. But there's this theory, I can't remember what it's called, that there's this point that all civilizations get to that they can't surpass and they, their civilization collapses and that we, like all these civilizations are dead and we're just the, the last species to kind of, Beyond the journey? Yeah. Now, on that, dude, I said I wasn't going to talk about the bag of sugar, dude. <laughs> I've been talking about it so much. But space, without talking about the bag of sugar, space has got to be more dense toward the initial, let's just say the Big Bang is something that happened, okay? Space has got to be more dense, closer to it, in my opinion. You know, especially if it's accelerating. There's got to be more elements, you know what I mean? There's got to be a higher density of matter in general, which is going to make the overall reality or possibility of life happening, even like we have now, if you just want to imagine people on another planet, there's got to be a higher likelihood of it happening closer to the source where there's more matter, right? And that's billions of years behind us or in front of us or above us. Whatever way you want to look at it, that's they're, they'd, they're billions of years ahead if they're in that denser part of space. Now, to an extent, I think that there might be a solid argument that every civilization is going to reach some sort of peak antipathis or whatever it is. But at the same time, I've got to imagine that if this is happening infinitely throughout the universe, one, I have this theory that we're just the universe. We're just brain cells for the universe, right? We're just the universe knowing itself. So whether you have one extreme where you have fucking a serial killer that just enjoys murdering, right? That's his hobby. He likes to murder. Or you have somebody that's the extreme opposite where, you know, they're vegan, they're picking up trash every day as a hobby. They're fucking, you know what I mean? They care They care about the bees and the planet, and they're fighting these ecological 
battles. Like, that's just another brain cell, in my opinion, that's learning for the universe. Because what happens when you die? Nobody knows, right? But if we're energy, that goes somewhere. And there's got to be an experience that may not be passed through that energy, but maybe while we're here burning this energy, it's emitted out or picked up in a way that the universe is kind of using it to understand itself. And I feel like I feel like it's more than likely that life exists. Would we recognize it? Probably not. Life could be planetary. It could literally be the size of a fucking planet. It could just be one giant body out there, you know, and it's eating comets that come by it. That's its sustenance, you know. We don't know. But we do know that we exist, and how crazy is that that we exist? And the fact that we're doing this, we have the technological advancements to do this podcast or to fucking get in a wheeled horse, a metal horse, and drive and cover ground, and all we have to do is put literally fossil fuels, something that went through a mass extinction millions of years ago on this planet fuels our transportation. That's fucking nuts to me. You know what I mean? The fact that somebody sees a gold nugget and they just feel inclined to pick it up, and then you look at, like, the electrical properties of the gold, and then what that gold does in space as far as, like, the way that it... The way that it protects against particle bombardment, you know what I mean? That's weird to me. That just feels like some sort of greater intelligence that's not necessarily learned here on Earth, you know what I mean? Like, the pyramids, for example. We still don't know how they're fucking made. Tons of speculations. Are they only 4,000 years old or 5,000 years old? My opinion, probably not. There's probably been a couple cycles of life on this planet, and there was a civilization that was not based on electrical fucking technology, you know. They were probably more mechanical with their technology. They probably used a lot more elemental things, you know, as far as, like, fire, wind, water. Maybe they were building it in the desert because they used sand as some sort of fucking fuel source. We don't know. You know, we literally don't have a fucking clue. But when I really think about it, all we... I mean, I guess if you start looking at, like, the James Webb or the Hubble, it can see behind the sun. But, like, right now, if we have 12 hours of darkness and 12 hours of light, you have 10 good hours, maybe 10 and a half, where you can actually see in a certain direction at night. To us, that's the night sky. But that motherfucker's up there during daytime, and we just can't see when we're facing the sun. We can't see what's on that side of the solar system or space at all. Because we're flooded by fucking starlight, you know what I mean? We can't see through that. We're overwhelmed by it. So it kind of makes me think, and like you said, dude, there's an up and a down and a fucking this and a that. There's black holes, which we don't know. There's dark matter, which we don't know about. So to me, it's almost, not just illogical, but it's almost ignorant to say that we're alone. It's almost... To me, it almost seems like maybe a source of comfort to say that we're alone, you know, which is ironic as it sounds, saying that you're comfortable, more comfortable knowing that you're alone. Maybe it's just the fear of the unknown, the fear of something else existing. But to piggyback off what you said about, like, the Andromeda, dude, what are some of these tales, these legends, this mythology that's been passed down from, like, Cirrus? And fucking Orion, you know what I mean? Like, what are some of these 
mythologies. When you look back at like, even the Mayans said they had, what was it, Quasicuatl was a flaming dragon or a flaming snake that came through the sky and brought them knowledge of how to not be fucking uncivilized people. You know what I mean? How to build a society. He stayed with them to try and help and actually help them with agriculture and stuff. Like, what is that? You know? And then we see these things like Commander David Fravor that's hard to explain away because not only is he a credible source, but he has some of the best technology funded by the fucking military, well, funded by the people for the military to use. I mean, that's military-grade technology. You know what I mean? That's what we're literally defending each other from each other with. And they're picking these things up. So to me, it's like, how can you disregard that? On top of all the other possibilities, when you take everything else I just said into consideration, how can you disregard, like, if you believe in technology, if you believe in your phone, right? If you believe in the television, how can you not believe in something that's picked up on technology that's literally some of the best that we have, you know? And then some of the explanations that are coming out of these things, like they're fucking weather balloons or whatever. They're fucking like, what's that one in Michigan that was a swamp gas? They explained it away as swamp yeah. gas. It's like, what is that? You know, Unsolved Mysteries actually had a thing. I don't know if you saw it. Um, Probably. It was about a, a UFO encounter in Michigan where this guy, he was running a radar station and he was picking up on three. It was maybe three to five. I can't remember, but he was picking up on three UFOs. And they were over Lake Michigan. I think it was in Muskegon or something like that, his radar station. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And as he's turning his radar, they're kind of following his radar. And then he called another station and had them sweep. And they picked him up in the same area that he was picking him up in his radar. So it's, there's corroborated evidence, but then there's people that witnessed some glowing lights. Yeah, like a bunch of people saw this shit over Lake Michigan. Yeah, and one of the things that sticks with me is there was a couple that said they saw what looked like a waterfall going in reverse up to one of these fucking balls of light, you know. Yeah, and they just, like, disappear over the ocean, right? Because he tries to talk to, like, the guy in Chicago or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, got to, he got a hold of the guys in Chicago. And, I mean, like I said, they were mapping them in the same area. Then all of a sudden they're just fucking in another area, you know? And they were like, how did they just shift that quick? And they were keeping kind of the same triangular pattern. And then all of a sudden they're just gone. And, I mean, I get at the time, I, dude, I think the guy had, he kind of got run out of the business. I think he had to go to Georgia or something to work, and people were still fucking with him. Which, honestly, I don't really know what I'm getting at here, because I just, I get excited when I'm, when I talk about, like, space and the possibility of life, but, like. It's an like, exciting topic. Well, especially now with some of the validation. And I, oh, that's what I was going to get at. It's like, what do you think... Do you think that these leaks that they're giving are just to satiate the public? Of like, hey, you wanted some UFO shit, so here's some 
official fucking documentation about events that we can't explain shut up? Or is it like, are they doing it because there have been corroborated leaks, you know, where they're like, okay, now we have to give them something, you know, being the government, we have to give the public something because these leaks have gone out there and it's been verified evidence. Like, what what do you kind of think that the reasoning for now the government kind of engaging in it is? Because forever, dude, it's just been... They denied it for the longest Denial, time. yeah. And I don't think that's religion-based. I don't think the government's focused on keeping the Christian faith alive or the Catholic. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's tricky. I mean, I don't think stuff like that works in black and white. I think it's just a giant game of telephone. Like, something is just... You know what I mean? It just gets misinterpreted and miscommunicated so many, like... Yeah. Yeah, I I can see that, too. We're like, oh, we're going to do this because of X, Y, Z. And he tells this guy, like, okay, we're going to release this. He said we're releasing this because of Z, Y, X. And then this next guy, he's like, we're releasing this because of... Um, y, Z, X. Yes, Y, Z, X. Stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like, it's... I there's this show it used to be on it's called Project Blue Book it's pretty much there's this book that the government kept for the longest time it's mm-hmm. the blue book where it's like all the information that they obtained on aliens over time I mean and this whole show is these experts talking about it but there is still like a lot of stuff that's blacked out in there like you know what yeah, I mean redacted so, I mean yeah I mean you can they, I mean, it's just that I mean they just take away what they don't want you to know i mean they're just like spoon feed you this like you know let's just we'll keep them quiet for a while you know so what do you okay so if let's just assume that aliens exist and obviously if they exist they're here because we've seen them then maybe they're not here but they visit what do you think one of the reasons they don't make intentional contact would be you know Probably because they're better than us. I mean, what's the first thing that we did when we came over here? I mean, we... To the natives? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we completely, yeah, completely ruined their lives. So, I mean, I think that these aliens, I mean, I think that they just think and view their existence in a way that's beyond our own comprehension. I mean, they could just view us as their little project. Like, this is my ant farm that I come and check up on from time to time like okay you know what i mean like i i do yeah i think we think about stuff very simplistically i think that if we as a society get to the point where we can just trot around space like that that we've achieved something revolutionary you know what i mean like yeah like that's <laughs> yeah, why dude. we can't do it now okay if that makes sense no it does it does some let me throw this at you cuz I think I was talking about it with Jeff a little bit, but I have this this theory. If we're looking at politics, right, if we've got to assume, which I'm just assuming, I don't have to assume, but if I'm going to assume that we go out into space and we find life, we may not immediately interact with it, keep our eye on it, maybe... 
I mean, if we've got technology to fucking just float around, zoom around space, we probably have the technology to just read what elements this planet has available to us yeah, and just from a distance. instantly know what these people are about, you know. Yeah, like not even watching them. Just know that, okay, obviously they've got these deposits of gold or they've got these deposits of cobalt and they're, they've got hubs around these minerals or these fucking elements that we could use, but obviously they're using them too. So maybe we'll keep our eye on them, kind of see where they're going on this trajectory. But even then, like, if I'm looking at it like we're still people in space, I think there's still going to be politics. Like, who's going to run the ship? You know what I mean? All the way down to fucking, you know, who's going to teach the kids on the ship type shit. Like, where, what are the politics? What are we going to teach our kids? Like, there's, I feel like there's always going to be some sort of political. Now, unless you have something like China aliens, right? Where there's one dictator and he decides everything. Which I've heard fucking accounts of like this praying man is being being the main the captain of the ship, if you will. The dictator. And then you've got like all the gray aliens running around as like his little fucking servants, right? Where he is maybe the alien and then all these other drones are maybe clones or just subservient beings that literally are tied in telepathically with him where he disseminates everything out to them, right? I've heard I've heard that. I've heard tales of that and I've kind of heard that theory also. But again, thinking about it in politics, like what do you think about these maybe being several different let's just say galactic countries okay let's just say galactic countries just like how they delegate it well in a way but let's just say there's a galactic federation and you've got like russia okay china the united states france right and we're all different aliens zooming around the universe maybe we all still have like a nato of space or a, a galactic federation for example and obviously russia and china aren't in nato but terrible example but but i'm just saying like what if we have something like that where now you've got these beings that are maybe technologically different but have similarities are biologically different and they all still have like a treaty for example and they say all right we found this planet it has resources or it has potential now we're not going to interfere if anybody interferes directly Treaty's done. Planet's fucking either wiped off or we've all got to agree to leave this planet alone, right? What if there's something like that out there or something out there where these beings are looking for resources like water, for example, and they say, okay, we found this planet with water. We're all going to use this resource, but under treaty, where if you make it known to these beings that you are alien to them, right, that you exist, you no longer get to visit this planet type thing. Maybe that's why they flee us. Maybe that's why they haven't landed and tried to communicate because maybe it's something that politically is tied into an agreement they have in the greater galactic plan, you know? I mean, when you look at, like, racism, right? You look at, like, the way that people talk about each other. Like, you have the stereotypical Canadian, right 
but people still call themselves Canadian or Michiganders, right? Right down to fucking where they're from as far as like a land space. Regionalism. Yeah, like you have your regional titles, you have your race titles, you have your fucking country titles, you have your continental titles. Like we still identify ourselves as individuals, not as a race of or a species, right? We don't say, okay, we're all human. We say, this guy is a fucking South African. You know what I mean? This guy is a fucking pygmy. You know, we don't say it. We're all humans. What is it that would be different about aliens other than the fact that maybe they all realize that they are the same species? And there is, even though there may be different shades or different shapes, that they are the same. And until we come to terms with that on our own, we don't even have a shot of being handed down. Because, again, dude, when you look at, like, native culture, right, what's one of the biggest elements that they have as far as, like, their ties to the land, you know? The buffalo is their brother, right? Even though there may be warring tribes, they're still their people, you know? They didn't look at, like, for example, Lakotas probably didn't look at Comanches as, like, like the North Koreans look at Americans, right? They're going to eat your kids. They're fucking evil, you know? They may have said, you know, we're not at peace with those brothers, but maybe down the line there is peace. Whereas now you look at us now, and we're not like that. We don't look at a, an animal as a brother. We don't look at it as another living being that maybe isn't us species, as far as, like, the species goes, but is us as far as, like, life goes, you know? And then you look at the interactions that, like, the Mayan had. Again, Quetzalcoatl, right? He came to the people. I mean, those people were sacrificing each other, but they still recognized that they were all one. And maybe that's what it took for those beings to come to them. I mean, even the Egyptians, right? There's speculation that they traveled the world, but there's also a lot of ties to, like, alien gods. And the one thing that they kind of have in common with, like, the Mayan or the Aztec is that they recognized that they were people. They may have had classes within, but they didn't discriminate against, like, a different race of person in the way that we do now, or a different region a person the way we do now, you know, if that makes any sense. Like, maybe that's our biggest restriction is that we're not acknowledging that we're all one. And that's kind of what's keeping them from even interacting. They say, yeah, we'll use their water. Look, we'll get caught in the mountains mining whatever the fuck. But we can't interact because we can't influence them per our treaty, you know. That's just one of the thoughts I have, and I th I think that was Jeff I was going over with. But what do you kind of think about that as far as, like, maybe space politics? Um, I watch a lot of Star Trek, so there's a lot of space politics in Star Trek. I mean, and it's pretty similar to what you're describing. There's different uh, class planets that they have. I mean, and there's, like, if a planet is in a certain class, you I mean, you're 
you can't interact with that planet like they have to as a society get to a certain point independently in order you know it's like i can't remember exactly it's like the no contact rule or something like that okay but i also yeah okay because well go go ahead with your also (laughs) no it's fine well i was just thinking like some of these stories of like these great healers or teachers of these ancient civilizations, these visitors, one of the things that many of them have in common is when they leave, they say they'll be back, right? But there's no terms that have been handed down. When will you be back? Why will you be back, right? I'm assuming there's no when because there's no time frame, no guarantee on the terms that are going to be met. But even the terms, like how are you going to tell a people, if you do this, that's when I'll be back. Because then it's not genuine, right? That's kind of like, to me, religion. I mean, look at God. You know, He says, if you do these things, you will get to heaven. One day my son will return. What are the terms? And then who who gets to rise with him? Those that have followed this path. And then you have people living their lives a certain way on the premise that either when he returns they'll be taken care of or when they die they will ascend. You know? And that's an influence. That's an influence on an entire lifetime. Certain decisions are made or not made because of that influence. You know, and I'm not saying it's wrong to live your life following a religion, but maybe that's kind of what it is, is we need to generically find our unity or whatever the fuck before, because it almost seems like a lot of these ancient civilizations that have stories of healers or educators coming and helping them, they all seem to have the same, okay, I'll be back. You know, but they were all different and they didn't have real communication with one another. And to me, it almost seems like maybe until we find a way to make these civilizations fit together like a puzzle and then find unity in the whole picture, nobody's coming back, you know. And that could be what these are it's just visits to check in and see where we're at. And now we have nukes where why would you want to nuke yourself when you are one? You know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would, I would love to imagine that when we get to that point, we're able to travel like that. That we, as a whole, have been able to, just like in Star Trek, you know, overcome all this, you know, stupid bullshit and just unite as one. I mean, cause, I mean, this shit ain't working out. Obviously, <laughs> the way we're doing it now. I couldn't have said it better myself, dude. This shit ain't working. You know, I mean, and I think that that's what you're getting at. I mean, there's this grand idea of the perfect utopia, you know, what we all would like to strive to be. I mean, it ain't a bad image, you know, but a light, like we're very uh, destructive species, you know. I mean, I could see why nobody would want to have anything to do with that. Yeah. You know, beavers, beavers change their landscape. And that's about it. Like when they dam a river. I mean, think of another 
species that really changes their landscape more than like an acre at a time. Because there's little birds that'll fucking like those birds of paradise, whatever. They clear a little spot to dance for their bitch. Yeah, you know? but they're not really changing. They're working with what's around them. You know, alternating. You know, that's a good point. If you, you know, dam the beavers a river, know what they're doing. You know, they know. You know, where's a good spot to dam the river? You know, they just instinctively know, you know, birds instinctively know to gather twigs and shit. You know, they're, they're using what's around them. They're not, you know, it's not like, so based on, I don't know what I'm getting to, but no, I do. I do. They're, they're one with the earth. You know, they know how to live without adversely affecting the next generation. They're not building skyscrapers that they're, for example, pigeons. They're not building skyscrapers that their kin are going to fly into and die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? I mean, and that's what this, that's like the main thing that destroys the, in my book, destroys the world. I mean, is the, this stupid concrete jungle. I mean, you can look into it. I mean, there are very real effects like climate change and stuff. I mean, and it's very real. Like, there's little side effects that add up over time. I mean, dude, let's, um, Let's riff on that for a second. Climate change by pavement. Yeah, this concrete jungle. It's uh, I saw this thing a little while ago. It's this new kind of, uh, I don't know exactly what it is. It's this thing they put on uh, skyscrapers and stuff. It's like a, it looks like moss. So it's like what? the skyscraper is like covered in moss. Like it's this like type of insulation or whatever. Like I'm. I'm dumb, like I'm butchering it, but, and it's just really cool to think about, like, <clears throat> if, <clears throat> sorry, no, you're good. If we did have, you know, more greenery and stuff like that, like imagine like, like a skyline of all just, you know, all these buildings are just greenery, like they're, you know, obviously not overgrown or anything, but you know, right. just maintained it's it'd be beautiful i mean it's just you look outside i mean these streets and sidewalks they're ugly i mean the earth fights against it sidewalks break open i mean they're all fucked and the roads do the same thing like you know the earth don't like that look at our fucking rail system yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but so to riff off that on the concrete bro just the climate change thing made me think we're we're talking about global warming right yeah. So, I guess, not necessarily you and me, but, like, society right now. Global warming is a huge topic, but yet we continue to lay pavement, dig up pavement, lay new pavement. And has anybody, this is a rhetorical question, has anybody put foot, set foot on pavement, like bare feet, where it's hot, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think there's a real... Uh leave it to our grandkids to worry about kind of mentality when it comes to that. And I think it's really kind of fucked. Yeah. Well, what I'm getting at is like, imagine you then coat the United States. You look at, fuck the United States. Let's say Africa. You coat Africa, the entire, every square inch of land and black pavement. Just Africa. Nobody lives there. It's just, we dig up all of our pavement in the rest of the world and we just lay it in Africa. One whole continent. Be hot. 
Do you think that would raise the temperature of the Earth? Absolutely. And the oceans? Absolutely. Okay, and then now you fucking disseminate all that fucking pavement, and then you start making little roads, side roads, fucking little cul-de-sacs. You build a city on it all around the world. That pavement still exists. It's, it's still there. The same volume is there. It's just not all in one spot. So you don't have a ice cube or a hot a heating pad, you know? You don't have that. So as the world is turning, of course Africa would go into the shade, and then you'd have all that pavement cooling off at night, then it heats up during the day, and then at night it's radiating all that heat. But literally you have pavement every second of the day getting heated throughout all the planet. And how long is it going to take before just the radiant heat of San Diego and Arizona, fucking anywhere in the south or near the equator... As it's rotating, yeah, it's cooling on the dark side, but it's radiating that heat out. And then on the exact opposite side, it's high noon. And it's just reheating. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, how long is it going to take before you notice a one or two degree shift in the atmosphere? And is it any wonder that here we are, 100 years after the Industrial Revolution, well, maybe 200, nah, about 150 tops, where we've got everything paved that's convenient and we're starting to pave things that are inconvenient like cities for example they're they're convenient for people you got resources living work right they're convenient for people that aren't living from the earth but now you're starting to go out to the country to go to the you pick strawberry place and you're god damn this road is chatter bumpy then two years later it's getting paved and you're like oh you know it's a nice drive out here. We'll take a nice fuck. Maybe we'll take the long way home because now it's paved. It's smoother. It's better on my vehicle. Like we're looking at all these short term benefits. But what's the long term? You're sleeping. That heat's being radiated. You wake up in the morning. You're like, holy shit. It was supposed to snow last night. Well, fuck that road's still 60 degrees, even though it's 30 degrees outside. You know, are we just going to ignore the fact that we're literally laying a heating pad on the earth? And then how much has anybody done research on what that affects the planet as far as like even just estimated like since we've been laying pavement, what's the the degree increase? You know, these are just fucking critical thoughts I have. Like, Yeah, I mean, and the research is definitely out there, but the uh, people aren't listening. I mean, there's definitely a guy out there that's, you know, you're right. There's definitely a guy out there that's been like, has anybody ever looked into this? You know, yeah, I mean? <laughs> yeah. that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers to you, guy who does the pavement research without being asked. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like I said. I mean, it's just a real like it's not our problem mentality. Like it's just the next generation can fucking deal with it. Well. You know what? I'm gonna grab. I'm gonna grab my last Guinness here. But I, I, keep me on track. It's only gonna take me a second. But that's all it takes for me to lose track. The green. You were talking about the moss on the skyscrapers. Oh, just how cool it would look. Well, not not just how cool it would look, but g- give me two seconds. Give me two seconds here. I just think after a certain amount of time, I mean, you just look into this vast, like, everything's concrete. It's just so ugly. There's pictures out there that people have photoshopped where it's like what the Earth would look like a 100 years after there's no humans. I mean, and it's kind of scary, but it's really beautiful. I mean, you see all this, you know, shrubbery and stuff, like, overgrowing all this ugly concrete and shit. I mean, and not to say 
there's definitely an artistry to building skyscrapers and stuff. You know, there's a finesse. You know, there's like a lot of skyscrapers built back in the day are very cool and very intricately built. But I mean, it's just at a certain amount of time, if everything, like you're saying, is concrete, it's it's just ugly. Yeah. And I was just talking about the pavement. I wasn't talking about the buildings that are holding heat and yeah. the building tops. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every fucking roof that's made out of asphalt, asphalt shingles is holding yes. heat. You know, like, listen, bro. <laughs> there's an effect okay we can't deny that there is an effect but to get what you were saying about the moss on buildings or the insulation i had a couple immediate thoughts first being how did you feel when the snow was gone and everything was dead and fucking ugly I was not very happy, but I like when everything turns green again. That makes me happy. That's what I was going to get at. What is it about seeing green as grass is starting to grow? The sun from one day to the next really didn't change. Maybe a little bit in the spectrum and the duration of it being in the sky. In the sky, in quotes. But if you take a 10-day period where everything was dead and flattened by the snow and fucking dirty from the pavement and the fucking rocks and everything that the snow left behind to all of a sudden grass is growing and everything is green. Trees are starting to green up. Let's take a two-week period. What's the difference over those 14 days where your mood is affected when you get up, you go out, and let's subtract the fucking birds tweeting, all that little nuance shit that adds to it. Let's just focus on the green. What is it? What is it that you're like, hmm, it's a fucking beautiful day. What is it that makes you feel better? I don't know, man. I mean, there's probably just the more, you know, just nature you're around. I mean, it's probably good for you. I mean, there's probably stuff, you know, the plants are emitting, you know, that you need. You know, I know in the summer when the sun's out, there's more vitamin D and vitamin D is, you know, really, really important. Yeah. I mean, that's why your mood increase, like your mood gets better in the summer. You're happier. You've got more energy. You know, seasonal depression. That's a, that's a real that's thing. A thing, dude. That's a thing. Now, before I get or start angling toward the point I'm trying to make, gray, brown, fuck, gold. Not gold. Not like bright gold. Like deadwood gold. Or deadwood gray. Stone. Like, what do all these colors kind of get described as? Very neutral. Drab. Yeah. Drab, bro. And when that's... Boring. Yeah. Like... Well, I saw this video today. I mean, it. speaking of just, like, stuff that's boring, it was, <laughs> um, like, fast food restaurants back in the day versus now and it was just like all these fast food restaurants are just fucking square concrete buildings like they all look like they're designed by the same guy it's like the pixie corp from fairly odd parents took over all these businesses and made them all boring and ugly like you know look how ugly mcdonald's is now it's this fucking it looks like a cinder block it is 
Taco Bell's the same thing. Taco Bell looks like a cinder blocked. Like the KFC is a cinder block. The brown, gray, and black paints, dude. Like <sighs> it's drab. It's uh. I don't understand. The thing I don't understand is like what I was getting at is naturally when. And when I say naturally, I mean naturally, like as a human. What is it that makes you enjoy a sunset? You know. Is it the colors? Is it the setting? Like, even if you're not on a lake in a prime fucking patch of real estate watching a sunset, you just, if you, even if you're in the woods and you look up at the sky, you know the sun setting, those colors you see, what is it that you're like, that's fucking gorgeous? And it's not just because it's out of the norm, because really you can see it every day that's not overcast. You know what I mean? You can see that regularly, even in the winter. But what is it that makes you admire that you know what is it that makes you recognize that that is a natural beauty it's just all about your perspective man I, but i feel it's so common amongst humanity like yeah there's some people that or it's just so natural you know yeah i think it's ingrained i think it's ingrained because we're not meant to be in concrete jungles dude like, why do people enjoy their yard or getting outside when they live in a city that's fully paved? Why do people get weird and anal about how their yard looks, you know? You can't tell me that the guy... I mean, I get it, a hobby. The guy enjoys mowing his lawn, edging it, doing all that shit, right? I do too. But here's the thing. That's work. And... What is it that makes you feel good about doing good work and seeing the results where you're like, okay, I did a good job and I can see the results, you know, like cleaning up around the house. You fucking focus on a room, you get the room clean, you feel good. Like, I think that all ties back to fucking primitive things, dude. You make a settlement, you're organized, you know where all your fucking stone tools are, you know what I mean? You can assess, do I need to work on this today or that today? Oh, I have time because we went and killed a fucking mammoth last week. We're still eating on that, bitch. Look at all this green. All this green means there's going to be game around. There's food. I can forage, but there's also going to be protein sources, whether it's fucking grasshoppers or mammoths that are grazing. There's life here, you know? There's possibility here. I almost think that when you see that, it's like a primitive calling that... This is where life is. This is a spot to be. You look at the desert, it's sandy and drab. Some people think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. But it's not as beautiful as a fucking meadow. You know what I mean? To most people, I think they agree. You look at a sandy beach, that's still beautiful. You see the water, right? You see the beach. But what is it about the beach? You got grass growing, maybe trees falling into the fucking ocean or the lake. You're like, God, there's just something about that scene that's gorgeous. But then don't forget about the water because there's resource in the water. One, the wa the water itself, but what's in it? You know what I mean? Whether it's fish or mussels or whatever, there's sustenance. Like, I feel like naturally when you see that green, you immediately start thinking positive because primitively that is positivity and that's an affirmation visually of it. You say, wow. There's going to be something growing here or something living here that's eating everything that's growing here. And if I can't find it, I'm sure I can find something that's growing to eat. 
I'm sure I can forage for mushrooms or a certain type of root. Maybe it's wild onion season. You know what I mean? Maybe if we get lucky and get a mammoth, I can throw some of these wild onions on it, you know? Same with the sunset. Like, I feel like when you look up, naturally they say oranges are for, like, energy and shit. But naturally I feel like when you look up and you see that there's a beautiful sunset, I don't think it's like, oh, that's visually artistic. I mean, in a way it is, but I don't think that's what it's tied to. I think it's tied to the fact that, like, it's signaling the coming together, right? Nighttime's coming. We're not meant to have artificial light, right? So what do you do? Like, typically at night, you gather, you know? You're at home when it when it gets dark, for the most part. I'm not saying everybody. You know, some people are people of the night. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? But, like, naturally, I feel like that's when people come together around a fire. They see people they haven't seen all day because maybe this person's been out foraging for something and that guy's been out hunting. But it's always a signal. Oh, sun's starting to go down. I need to get back to camp. I need to get back to my people. You know, it brings an excitement. Like I'm I'm going to reunite with the people that I depend on and depend on me. Like, I feel as there's a natural tie. So when people say, oh, yeah, let's put some green up on that skyscraper, some people are going to, yeah, motherfucker, because you always got those people. Why would you put moss? One, maybe it's going to prevent some of the heat absorption and then eventual radiance, because if you're storing heat all day and then you're radiating it at night, maybe that's not the best for the planet, right? You're You're interrupting its natural heating and cooling cycle. But then also maybe... You start affecting the mood of a city. People feel more positivity. Maybe they're more motivated to get out, even if it's an office job, right? They're not going to forage in the city, but if it's an office job, maybe they feel more motivated to do work because they're tying their primitive need or desire to do work which would have been foraging or whatever, to typing up whatever report they got to type up, you know. Maybe when they look out the window, it's not super glary, and it's not negatively affecting their fucking eyes because that's something that's unnatural. So then now they've got this fatigue that their brain's trying to figure out what the fuck this is. You know, I don't know. I just feel like naturally it'd be more advantageous to get more green in your life and not, just weed, I'm saying. I'm talking the color. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? More natural stuff in general, man. Yeah. What What is it about plants in the house? And it, don't tell me it's just the oxygen. Oh, you know, they're just putting out that much <laughs> yeah. more oxygen in your house, you know? Just beauty, man. It's just nature. Like, I feel like it's striking a little... She's giving him a bath. <laughs> Good, bro. We've all been there. It's him throwing shit in the tub. But it's just that natural inclination to, uh, not even inclination, just that natural tie to being human. I feel like you're one of the planet. Like, when you die, you're meant to fucking go back to the earth, you know? Your body is. Fuck, dude. Like, you send shit out in space. People are like, oh, we're littering space. Bitch, that shit came from space. Like, it just happened to be here and developed by us, but it's an element of space. Yeah. It'll be fine. This planet can't necessarily handle you polluting it by taking these elements and converting them into fucking solo cups and then putting them in this body of water, you know? 
but space will be fine for the most part. You know, if we send a giant fucking chunk of fucking debris out there and it lands on some foreign planet or comes through their, you know, their atmosphere like a meteorite. Yeah, right. It might yeah. affect them negatively, but otherwise it'll be fine. A star, a star will suck it up or some planet that, like Venus, is just going to melt it. That'll suck it up, you know. An ice planet, all methane, that'll suck it up, you know. I don't know, man. I don't know. We've been going for uh, almost two and a half, though. So, hell yeah, hell yeah. I don't know. Do you have a hard out? No, no. Okay, all right. So this sound boring or anything? No, no, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're good, man. You're good. This is. Uh, I mean, it's helping me because I don't. I don't have much experience with interviewing. I'm not going to say professionally because I'm not a professional, but interviewing somebody in a professional setting, like. Some podcasts are just stories, you know, there's all all over the spectrum. Some are fucking strictly interview, how'd you do this, how'd you do that, promote your shit type thing. But, I mean, I just enjoy talking to people, as you know. I enjoy talking to you, you know. So, that's really all this is, is finding a way to maybe dig a little more out of somebody that I enjoy talking to or kind of focus in on something I'm interested in about that person or one of the things that interests me about an endeavor they're in or whatever. So it's definitely helping me kind of highlight and critically think about not necessarily a path, but pathways to take when talking to someone. You know what I mean? So yeah, you're not well, sounding boring. <laughs> well, I'm just honored to be a part of this, man. It's a medium that I have a great love and appreciation for. I'm just happy to be a small part of it. Hell yeah. We've, You've been talking about doing this podcast for as long as I've been talking about writing these stupid stories. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's come to fruition. It's come to fruition, man. You're writing and we're podcasting. Yeah, so, hard work pays off. Yeah. No, I'm I'm uh, very glad you're part of it. And I extremely appreciate the fact that you're part of it. I can't, I can't state that enough because it's, uh, it's a big ask. One, somebody's time for more than two hours. You know what I mean? That's a big ask of anybody that's busy, has kids, is working on their own shit. That's huge. But also, like, to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm not saying you're not comfortable talking to me, but, like, just knowing that this is, as long as the Internet's around, your voice is going to be out there. Your yeah. Your thought right now, even though it may change, tomorrow or you may hear this or rethink of something we said and change your thought your thought right now will be out there and it's hopefully somebody will find it entertaining interesting and even uh maybe a change of perspective you know not necessarily affirming because affirming it definitely has its highs and lows in my opinion but i feel like when you can get somebody even if it doesn't change their mind to just look at something from an alternate perspective or to think of something deeper than they've thought about something. Like I know a lot of people don't really think about writing, you know, they hated writing papers in school and that's kind of what they think about writing. Oh, it's not fun. I hate it. It's like, yeah, but I mean, if you do what's important to you, I mean, or write about what's important to you, I mean, it's, it could be fun. Even journaling. Yeah. Like if you just journal what happens today in your life, dude, when, if you do make a habit out of that 10 years from now, you might find value in that, not just interest being like, oh, I wonder where I was, but like value. Like, 
I don't really remember how I handled this situation. I Dude, I used to journal about outdoors. And I used to look back and be like, oh, uh, this is when I found started finding morel mushrooms last year. Or this is the type of things muskrats were doing last year. And I could use that to save a lot of fucking time. I saw a lot of deer in this corner of the property or going from this area to this area. What changed? And then you start looking and then you learn from that. You say, oh, there's a different food source over here. Oh, somebody started fucking clearing land over here, you know. And writing, I think any everybody should have experience in it that's not uh, rec- required. Like when... When you're required to read a book and write about it, that's, you have a topic that's dictated, you know what I mean? You have a timeline that's dictated, and then you don't really have any other purpose other than maybe a good grade or good standings. But again, dude, if if you're doing something like you said, out of passion, you're doing something because you want to grow or you want to reflect or whatever fucking reason, you want to get out some energy, some negativity... You want to write somebody a fucking letter and then not mail it. You know what I mean? Like, I think everybody should have that experience and even be practicing that, you know. I mean, literation is a big deal. Up until, like, 50 years ago, that was kind of how people transferred thoughts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Writing a letter. Yeah. Well, not just that, but books, letters, fucking logs, man, like... All these old logs people can look back at, like, who was on this ship today or yesterday? It's like, now you have to save your ticket from your cruise that you just took for a vacation, where somebody was literally writing in seven or eight log books so they could leave a country of famine to hopefully get to a country of prosperity, where they didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. The ship might sink, yada, yada, yada. When they get there, they might fucking get taken advantage of. They really only have what they show up with, you know what I mean? They're leaving with what they can. They only have what they show up with in this new place. And you can look back at logs because that was a handwritten thing. How are you going to, I mean, I guess maybe you could technologically look back with a FOIA or something and be like, hey, can you show me, you know, the log history of this person scanning their card through this fucking port or this airport or, you know, getting on this ship? What time did they get on? That's where it ends, you know. They're not journaling their fucking journey across the ocean. They're not taking any sort of notes of things they see or thoughts they have when they look out at the vast blue. You know, it's all just, I guess if you look at Facebook, (laughs) you look back at some of their posts or their Twitter. Yeah, but there's something different about holding it in your hands, you know, seeing this, you know, personal, you know, thing, you know, they did. You know, if you're, you know, if you're talking about a journal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's even urgency to it, too, because the person writing the journal has to stay aware of where it is, worry about its condition, you know. There's a priority to it. Whereas if you put a tweet out on Twitter, one, it's in Times New Roman. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's in a font. It's flawless. And then you drop your phone. Oh, no. You go get a new phone, and then you log back into your Twitter, and, oh, my shit's still there, but somebody spills a drink on your journal. Bro, that's a wrap. You know what I mean? Like, what happened to the Mona Lisa if you fucking 
start smoking cigarettes next to that bitch for 10 years, 15 years, you know? True, yeah. Whereas you, these NFTs and digital arts and shit, it's like... It's forever. What's going to happen, right? There's no taint to it. There's no patina. I don't know. So what do you think the pyramids were? Rough transition. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good, man. Like, what do you mean? Like, um, like, what do you think they were? Like, because not just the Egyptian pyramids. Like, there's pyramids all over, you know. But if I guess if you want to focus on the Egyptian pyramids, like, what do you think the purpose of them was? Could be just like a monument. Has nobody ever been inside of the pyramids of Giza? I can't think off the top of my head. I mean, we've been in there, but there's still certain areas. Like, there's some No, it's all, like, booby-trapped and shit, like Indiana Jones. Yeah. I don't know. I know, like, a big point of pyramids, like, in Egyptian culture was it was just... It was like a tomb. It was, like, just a big coffin for, like, a pharaoh or whatever. I mean, that's how we found... King Tut. I mean, he was buried with all of his, you know, favorite earthly possessions so he could take them into the afterlife. Yeah. Sort of like a monument. But even then, dude, I don't I don't I don't know if I agree with it being a tomb. I mean, I know we've I'm I don't know. I'm pretty sure we have found bodies like the King's Chamber. I don't think they ever found a mummy in it. But the only reason I disagree with that is because, think about this. You get sick. You're Pharaoh. You get sick. And everybody around you says, fuck, he's going to die. Like, soon. (laughs) Yeah. Let's build a monument. You know what I mean? Over 600 years. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true. There would be, like, millions of pyramids everywhere. But then look at the layout, too. Like, the pyramids of Giza, they're laid out in, uh, what is it, Orion? The three stars of Orion? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about, like, why they're there and not, like, how they're built, I would say it would have to be something monumental must have happened historically. Like, you know, those pyramids, they, they mean something to who built them. Like, it's not just... Somebody didn't just wake up and, like, just put three, like, kind of, like, triangle things <laughs> in over there. You know what I mean? They like draw it, it in the it's sand. like a lot of thought was put into that, you know? <laughs> like, I do. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm just laughing because I'm thinking of, like, some dude being like, hey, uh, Pharaoh, what are we going to do today? And he's stretching. <laughs> and yeah. he, t- he takes Scout's his... Scout's hanging out. Yeah, he takes... <laughs> <laughs> he takes his cane... You know, and he's drawing this thing in the sand, and he's like, we're going to build this, you know? And then he's like... The guys in the back, like, oh, what the fuck? How are we going <laughs> to yeah, do that? Dude. The guys that are underneath his throne that he's sitting on are like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? I'm glad to be under this throne. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how big? Oh. I'll tell you when to stop. Yeah, I'll tell you when to stop. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Um... I've heard theories of, like, a generator, you know, which I guess maybe there's some sort of relevance to that, because I don't know exactly how close it is to the Nile, but maybe they could have diverted a channel or something into the pyramid to turn a turbine or a fucking wheel of some sort, right? But what what kind of keeps me, like, 
open to all the ideas is like we've got we know there's these little tunnels right that go random places that are too small for a human to fit through like we send these little rc cars with cameras in them right and knowing how they worshipped cats it kind of makes me think that these were for the cats but at the same time you look at things like uh, gobekli tepe or like what's that place over there that has uh it's got a door that faces perfectly to the winter solstice so when the day on the winter solstice light goes all the way into the temple and illuminates this thing but on any other day it doesn't make it to the back you know what i mean like there's things like that that make me think maybe some of these um tunnels were actually completely to the outside of the pyramid and maybe it was such a precise indicator of time or celestial location that like maybe one day every 10 years light made it all the way through this tunnel that went 100 foot two three five hundred feet to the outside of this pyramid down this little tunnel that illuminated something in there that said oh hey this is the day it is today you know and if there's four of them one facing north south east and west it'd be a really good way to kind of map your rotation around the sun or your location even your tilt you know the time of the year like i think it'd be especially in the fucking desert dude when you don't have seasons like how, how do you know what's what you know the days are getting shorter kind of because you're close to the equator but like what are we doing here you know what i mean like yeah it's strategically placed there put there like it means something it did something i mean who knows man i mean they could have had shit figured out that we we don't know i mean look i mean you said they're placed in a certain way i mean three ways i mean just like you look at like a like a wind turbine there's like you know the three blades that make it go round like who knows maybe like it could be powering something turbulence yeah you know not to sound like a cheesy science fiction writer but you know no dude that's it could be a generator itself you know it just it it just amazes me because like i know you've seen the obelisks cut out of one piece of stones like a hundred foot tall fully decorated and then you look in the king's chamber and then all this granite is like perfectly perfect dude 90 degrees sharp edges like like bob the builder couldn't do that on his best day (laughs) no dude like bitch how and they copper tools is the explanation on granite you know what i mean like i almost granted i've never tried myself but (laughs) i don't that's a good point that's a good point that's a good point but it just kind of makes me think, like, they had some sort of technology, and maybe that was a result of it. Like, again, the Nile, I'm not, I'd am not. i have to look and see exactly how far it is away, but maybe they could divert it. Genghis Khan did it. He diverted it to fucking flood cities. Like, you're going to give me all your shit. And they're like, nah. And he's like, watch me build a dam. Not me personally, I'll have my people build a dam. And then in like six weeks, we're going to break it. Or we're going to divert this river slowly to take out your city if you don't 
And you can watch us do it, because we're not going to let you leave the city, you know. And a civilization of fucking Egyptians? I feel like they could have done that. Easily. Easily. Yeah. I mean, they had boats. There's speculation that they made it to South America and shit, you know. I mean, just look at how intricate their culture was. I mean, they have all this, you know, beautiful jewelry and, you know, the, all this beautiful art. Yeah, which speaks you know, to time. They're very intelligent. Which also speaks to free time, you know. Like, you're not just fucking hammering out jewelry and making art when you're hungry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I almost feel like maybe, maybe it's gone now. I don't think it's gone. I'm going to recant that. Maybe it's gone to us, but I think that maybe there's uh, all those sands. What do they say about the sands, sand dunes, dude? Constantly shifting. Like, you can't map the desert. Like, you can't walk your way through and then have landmarks because that big-ass dune that you climbed over might be 100 yards to the north or the west, depending on the wind, within a week. And then now you're that far off track if you're going to use that as a landmark, you know. And I feel like maybe that that's the Sahara, right? Yeah, I think so. I feel like so maybe there's a lot hidden underneath that sand that would explain a lot of our human history. Because they say that the Sphinx was buried up to its neck when it was originally, like... Rediscovered. Yeah, rediscovered. Yeah, that's perfect word. There's some so, crazy story about the Sphinx where, because you know how its face is all, like, fucked up. There's some weird story about how that... Napoleon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Napoleon, dude. Yeah. That short little fuck, dude. Yeah, he... Yeah, that's he, right. He had his men shoot a cannon at that fucker, dude. Who? Who the fuck, God, dude? It's dude, so arrogant. Yeah, exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. Could you imagine? Oh, my God, dude. All right, boys, it's hot, and I'm already, I am already have a Napoleonic complex because I'm short and can't do shit. So you know what will make me feel better? What? Shoot the head off that thing. <laughs> yeah. Why is there just a giant head out here in the desert? Shoot it in the head. <laughs> you know what I mean? His face is getting red. He's getting pissed. They're not doing it yet. Yeah, the nose falls <laughs> off. He just fucking executes a dude. <laughs> uh, Napoleon and uh, Bill and Ted's um, excellent adventure is the best. When they take him <laughs> to like that Chuck E. Cheese. I've never Have you seen ever it. seen? No, you've never seen that movie. <laughs> they gather like all these historical figures because they have to do a, a history report. And uh, there are these two, like, stoner kids, and the first one they get is Napoleon, and they leave him with one of their little brothers, and he's little. this little kid's, like, trying to figure out how to entertain Napoleon this whole movie in, <laughs> in modern-day San Dimas, California. Like, they take him mini-golfing, like, they take him to, like, a, get ice cream. <laughs> it's so funny. And he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, no, he, no, he he cares, but he's just like getting pissed about like everything, like small shit, like it's you know, <laughs> like he like... asked for a waffle cone and he got a fucking sugar cone. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, what are those uh, colorful things? We call those sprinkles. Yeah, let me get a cup of those, sir. We don't serve. We put them on the ice cream. I said, let me get a cup of those. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who the fuck I am? This kid's older brother? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and he's got, like, the French accent in the movie. It's so funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, 
What's it called? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay. All right. I'll have to put that on the list, dude. That does sound good. But yeah, Napoleon shot the nose off that fucker, dude. <laughs> Arrogant. Bastard. But have you seen any of the shit they're finding with LIDAR or ground-penetrating radar in, like, the jungles? Uh-uh. Bro. Bro. Get this. They're finding cities that, like, so there's these, there's certain areas with nomadic people still in the jungle, right? Or semi-nomadic, right? Some of these people have email. Weird. weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they're finding these people that live off the land and have stories or, fuck, what's the word? Legends of cities, you know? They're the descendants of these people that lived in the city and fled because of a great disease or a fucking dragon or whatever. And then they're finding these fucking cities, dude, that are, like, using LIDAR and shit, where they're finding these cities in these areas where these people are saying, like, yeah, there's a city up there. It's just overgrown a jungle. Like, people are literally walking through the city and don't realize that there's, like, buildings or streets of stone and shit because the jungle's just overtaking it. You know what I mean? Like, and they're finding all these cities all over the jungle. They're doing some ground-penetrating radar on certain points, or certain points, certain mounts, mounts or mountains, where there's, like, these um, gathering locations, right? And then they're doing ground-penetrating radar on them, realizing that there's, like, chambers underneath and all this shit that's, like, in the mountain, and, like, hollow cavities and shit that have, like, 90 degree edges like walls like rooms you know and uh it just makes me wonder like if we could do that in the dirt like the sahara desert bro i think we'd find some shit that's like 50 to maybe a hundred thousand years old easy like again think of those dunes every time the wind blows it's just covering something up eventually it's going to uncover it whether that's 200,000 years from now when that shit becomes a rainforest again and then it all washes into the ocean because of a giant flood or fucking typhoon or whatever, or whether we figure out a technology that can penetrate the sand far enough to be like, hey, you know, because I can't remember how tall the Sphinx is, but, dude, it was a long ways they had to dig down to excavate it. Like, and it's not even out in the open. They just, like, have dug down around it and shit. You know what I mean? So... That's crazy to think that, like, the Egyptians as a people didn't, like, maintain that, like... They didn't... I don't think they even knew, know who made it. Damn. Like, they don't... There's no records of them claiming having made... And there's records of them having done everything from, like... Dude, they found a receipt... I can't remember if it was for the pyramid or not. I think it was for the pyramid, or speculated for the pyramid. But they found a receipt from some merchant to some pharaoh... Who ordered like X amount of blocks of limestone or some shit? And it's like, how did somebody that we would consider nowadays a peasant <laughs> yeah. just ha- just have a stack of blocks where this pharaoh's like, I need to buy all this guy's blocks and all this guy's blocks because I got a big project. <laughs> and he's like, Dude, I got three hundred of these bitches he's ready like, I've to been rock. Saving them up for years, <laughs> right? He's like ready to rock, and people are around him are buying them to build little houses, quaint houses. They might buy fifty of them, you know. 
and then this dude comes in and buys like 300 you know where how did first off how do you transport them bitches they didn't have a forklift <laughs> yeah <laughs> deep 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 moving blocks yeah. around you know like I just feel like there's definitely some sort of lost technology, but I think there's answers. There are probably answers in the library of Alexandria, if that wouldn't have been burnt <laughs> and thrown in the yeah. river. <laughs> yeah. You know. You'll have that. God damn it, dude, Napoleon. Fucking Napoleon with a cannonball. Yeah. Like, like, do you think he was drunk, or was he just... I think he's just an asshole. Just on rage. He's just like, fuck that thing. That's he's just that guy. No, but we can't even do that. So get rid of it. You know, I don't want the world to know that this thing. Ex- How come I'm out here in the desert trekking across the desert and there's a monument that nobody knows who made it, just existing? <laughs> I didn't say it could exist. Who did it? You yeah. know where are they? Get rid of it. Fuck that thing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean. Again, man, if if we could penetrate with some sort of radar, ground penetrating radar, for example, <laughs> the sands of the desert, fuck, dude. How deep do you think the sand is? Like, if you were just to dig, do you th- how far do you think you'd have to go down before you got to like any sort of bedrock or hard ground? I don't know, man. There's got to be a definitive end. Yeah, there's got to be, somebody's got to be like, this is where we know it ends, and there is, you know, X amount of sand, you know, and it would take, you know, this amount of force to move it all, you know, so, I mean, it's, I just, because I, like, it can't be, like, I imagine it's not just, like, never ending, you know what I mean? Straight to the mantle. Yeah. Just there's just a ball of glass down there. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, who am I to say? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm I'm right there with you. I've got to imagine it's. I mean, at the very least, you're going to hit the tectonic plate. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, I mean, you would have to be hitting bedrock and all that shit Something. eventually. I mean, there's. I mean, there's got to be groundwater down there somewhere. Yeah, certainly you know? water. So, I don't know, man. I just feel like there's a huge gap in our history, and a lot of it's hidden in sand. Oh, yeah. There's shit in that sand, for sure. Like, go back to Tepe. You know how they found that? Uh-uh. Bro. I think it was Turkey. Not, like... Butterball, but like the place. I think it's Turkey. But they found some shepherd or some farmer was out in a field one day and he finds this block and he's like, that's weird. And it kind of looks like a T on top and he starts digging around it and then he realizes like it's a pillar. And I don't know if he sent an email or wrote a letter or called somebody, but archaeologists came out and they were like, oh, this is a pillar to an ancient fucking settlement you know so they started excavating and they found this fucking city they're still excavating it like i think they found it back in like 2010 2013 something like that but they're still excavating it and what it was is it's a city or a settlement that was filled in so like when the people left they filled it with rocks damn yeah and it's huge but one of the things, 
one of the key characteristics of it is the oldest part of it, like one of the first parts that was built as far as they, they've excavated, the construction is better than the newest. Damn, so they got lazy, huh? Information was lost, bro. I mean, think about you. You start welding, you can only get better for the most part. You know, I mean, some people can't because they have limits, but just look at it like a, any skilled trade, woodwork. You start making rough cuts, you figure out that these don't fit together, so you investigate on how to make a better cut, how to make things fit better, then you start investigating joints, maybe even experimenting. You know, you build something, two years later it falls apart, you're like, fuck, I could have built that better. Now with what I've learned in the last two years, I will rebuild it with this new technology and tools and fucking information that I've learned, and it's going to last 20 years, you know, and then without teaching your kid that, you die, your kid says, damn, dad built that, I'd like to rebuild it, I'd like to maintain it, and he doesn't have the tools, because you haven't told him, you haven't showed him, you haven't taught him, he may have the tools, but doesn't know how to use them, you know what I mean, he doesn't have the little nuances of you do this first, because if you don't do that first, you're going to crack it down here, and then you're going to do all that work for it to just fall apart, you know. Like, they've got relief carvings where they didn't carve into the stone. They carved the stone around. So, like, I think there's a lizard where, you know, how, like, how a lot of things, they'll chisel it into the stone. Yeah. They removed stone and left a lizard extended from it. So they removed all the stone around the shape and then just left the shape of a lizard remaining. Like, so there's a lot of shit like that that's, how do you do that? You know what I mean? Like, I guess if I were to do it, I would probably shave all but that little square, leave that square extended, and then maybe shape that square into whatever I wanted. But how would you do that in the next generation if you're not learning from the previous? Or if some big extinction happens, not extinction, some... um genocide happens where maybe a warring tribe comes over or some of your elders with all this knowledge go out on a fucking expedition or one of them gets killed in the field by a wolf when he's tending a sheep or whatever like how would you disseminate that knowledge and experience to the next generation you know what i mean like what would happen right now if all of our physicists were on a plane to go to fucking check out the Hedron Collider or some shit, and then the plane went down. Like, there'd be a huge stall in our fucking <laughs> advancement as far as, like, physics goes, you know what I mean? Because some of our best physicists, with all their experience and all their fucking knowledge of the ways things work, would be just gone. And even if they were talking to people about it, they may not have the understanding or the the, the ability to comprehend and then re-explain to somebody who does have the ability to fucking do that type of shit, you know? So it, basically it seems like the older construction was a higher quality than some of the newer construction. But the moral of the story is it was filled in with rocks and shit, dirt. Sounds unnecessary. I think it was to protect it. Maybe they were leaving it and they come back later. Yeah. They were leaving it. They said, we'll be back. Or maybe they knew something was happening 
and they had to leave it, but they wanted to leave it for a next generation. Maybe in a city we haven't found yet, there's directions to this place that says, hey, look for this one stone pillar in this fucking field and start digging. There's home, you know. Or if I want to really start thinking selfishly, I'd say that they buried it for us. They said somebody in the future is going to need to know about us, you know. Like, think about it. If you put a weld on a fucking piece of steel and just send it out into space. Dude, that piece of steel is going to be around, in theory, a lot longer than you are. Maybe hundreds of thousands of years before it actually collides with a meteorite or lands on a planet where there's life. But it's going to exist for a long fucking time. In space. And somebody, somewhere, some being might find it and be like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? I've never seen anything like this. This just looks like two perfectly squared off pieces of iron, which I know what that is. Fused together through some sort of heat source. Where did this come from? You know? I almost feel like maybe it's a calling card to us being like, hey, you know, whoever finds it, don't forget about us. This is how it's done. This is how we did it, right? There's shit carved into all the pillars, you know? There's little chambers that look like fucking classrooms or like like a church, you know what I mean? Like where people would gather to listen to one person. I guess there's like really good acoustics in those chambers, so there's some sort of ancient knowledge there. But what I was getting at with Gobekli Tepe is like that was filled in with rocks and dirt. You know how much easier it is to fill and hide something with sand, bro? Yeah. It's not going to collapse because it's if you fill it from the inside, there's nothing for it to collapse onto. It's not a hollow cavity. So you could theoretically put all the weight on it because the sand inside isn't going to compress beyond a certain point. You know what I mean? And it's going to be literally preserved like when they encase something in plastic or in wax. You know? Yeah. Like... Yeah, it's not going to fuck shit up. Right. It's not going to be weathered by the elements. I imagine if you do it right, you might not even have to work as hard. You could just be like, you know, this this day the the wind's going to be very high. You know, we can dig this a certain way. So are they all the winds going to do the work for us? Bro. Bro, you're a fucking genius. <laughs> we need... I'm just bullshitting off the top of my head, man. Well, that's genius. <laughs> yeah. That's genius. Let's go to Egypt. Would we need a scholarship to start doing some sort of fucking excavation? I don't know, man. I don't know how all that stuff works. Hmm. Because I'm thinking. That just took my ADD to this place, bro. Yeah. Where if you had a drone and you're flying over this little patch of desert where there's nothing and people are like, go go at it. You bring in a couple excavators. You say, which way is prevailing wind? West winds? All right. So you dig this fucking funnel. And as the winds are being funneled through this funnel, it's literally just cl- it's self-dredging, clearing out this fucking dredge. Yeah. And then all you have is a machine at the back end of that dredge removing that sand so it doesn't build up into a new dune. You keep it level and that wind just keeps dredging. Maybe you need to shore up the sides every now and then. But if you built a funnel and let the elements fucking do that for you, dude. Bro, you're a fucking genius, bro. Yeah. I swear to God. I swear to God, that's fucking genius. That's how they should excavate the fucking Sphinx. Let's see what's underneath that bitch. Let's fucking... <laughs> Dude, 
Dude. That's baller. Like, baller, bro. You humbled me. Elon Musk. Yeah. I need your money. Oh, God, I hope not. Dude, listen. <laughs> did you did you hear about his boring project? Uh-uh. Dude. All I've been hearing about Elon is people are pretty uh, pissed off about the blue check mark thing. Oh, my God. I guess he's personally paying for three blue check marks himself. One of them he has revealed is LeBron James. For three? Yeah, because you got to pay for the blue check mark now. Like everybody does. Like eight dollars. Like, oh, you're Brad Pitt. You got to pay this much a year for that blue check mark. But he's paying for three of them personally. He's his, uh, probably. And <laughs> he said LeBron James and like two other people. Bro. This guy one day just decided. Let's let's build a highway system under LA. Yeah, that that didn't go very well, right? That went that he, got rocky, right? Yeah, dude, he found out he needed a permit to start digging. So he called whoever and they were like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm digging a hole." They were like, "You need a permit." And he's got the permit. And I guess he only had an X amount of time to start digging or to dig. They came they come out to visit and he's literally got a fucking hole dug. Like, just so he can try and speed up transportation underneath L.A. Because of population density, dude. You know what I mean? Like, seven hours to sit in traffic is fucking ridiculous. I don't care where you're at. 9-11 didn't have that that Uh, much traffic getting out of the city, you know? Yeah. So, like, he just decides I'm going to dig this hole. Just just a big hole. And it didn't go good. From... What I can recall, it didn't go that good. But he just fucking pulled the trigger on it, dude. And all <laughs> yeah. I need him to do is hear that let's build a big-ass canyon that's going to funnel wind and self-fucking-excavate somewhere in the desert. Pick a spot. I don't know. You're telling me, Elon. <laughs> He'll get there eventually once he's bored of all this Twitter stuff. Dude, you know where I hope he goes is I hope he develops some sort of ship or garbage containment device where he just starts sending trash to space, bro. Who knows, man? Elon's wild card. Who knows what his next move is? I'm hoping SpaceX evolves into, like, Granger or Waste Management where he just... (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, Yeah, Waste Management, yeah. Where he's just, like... Yeah, if you want to go to the moon, I'll take you to the moon. I'll take you around the moon. Fuck, you want to go to Mars? That's cool. But where my money is, is getting rid of all that fucking plastic in the ocean and all that shit that's being sent to Africa to just sit on the shores and rot. We put it in a carrier. We pack it in. We put it in a big compactor. We make these bricks. And then we just strap rocket ships on these bricks and send these bricks at the sun or... To deep space beneath us. I don't fucking know. Somewhere. He'll figure it out. But get rid of it. Get it off this planet. Again, you're returning it to space. It'll become a star or something. You know what I mean? At the very least, it'll get encased in ice, be a meteorite, and then maybe some civilization down the road finds it. And they're like, this doesn't look natural. Like, there's something out there. And this seems to be their waste disposal system is to just send shit out into space. We should find them because they're starting to litter our atmosphere or whatever, you know, but 
Hell yeah. We can send a gold record out there. Maybe. I don't I don't think Elon's that kind hearted, but it's a great idea. I mean he is African though. Yeah, he is South African. He, yeah, but he's from got the continent. That, got that apartheid money. Yeah. <laughs> uh you think that's what it is? I don't know. There is I don't know. There's like a bunch of videos I've seen before that are like I don't know, just tying his family about, to the Yeah, just like talking about his family conspiracy theories and just Fuckers. Yeah. Have you seen those uh videos where they're talking about his like hair? Like when he like it's like videos and interviews of him when he's like first uh got his money and he's like looks like Homer Simpson. No. Yeah, he's like bald. What? Yeah, he's got like barely <laughs> any hair on the top of his head and now obviously he has a full head of hair. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. got luscious locks, bro. Yeah. Luscious. What is that? Is that Rogaine? I think that, yeah, bro. I think Transplant? that just like hair plugs and stuff like that, I think are just like really good now. Like, I think like if you just don't want to be bald, you don't have to be bald anymore. <laughs> Stem cells right to the fucking skull, yeah. dude. <laughs> just shooting them in there. God, bat, bat, bat. Damn, dude. I'm going to look into that because I want to see, like, the transition from bald Elon to lush Elon. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, majestic. You think he's going to get, like, Fabio hair? You think he'll grow it out super long? I don't know. He's had that weird kind of undercut thing going on for a minute now. That's true. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. That is weird. You know where that fits in at is, like, what's that place, Davos, where they go for, like, the New World Order type talks. Oh, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, dude. It seems like that haircut, he'd be sitting on the board at those Davos meetings. Yeah. You will rent everything and you will yeah, like it. Everybody's in the golden or uh, Dr. Evil suits. <laughs> <Yeah>. $1 million. $1 million. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Higher, you know, ten million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bro, I love Austin Powers, and One I, I always watched those movies growing up, and I had never seen any of the James Bond movies before. And I, after like rewatching the Sean Connery ones, uh, dude, there's. Have you ever seen those movies? Which one? The Sean Connery James Bond movies. I'm sure I had Die Another Day. Is that yeah, one of them? I, I think that that's a Roger Moore one. But oh, okay. There's All right. one, I can't remember what it's called, but there's um, James Bond's arch nemesis is pretty much Dr. Evil. Like, he looks exactly like Dr. <laughs> Evil. Like, that's who Mike Myers is parodying. So it's it was so funny to have seen that first and then watch this movie where you're supposed to take that seriously. Like, he's literally, he's, got the suit he's got the bald hair like the, <laughs> the fuck, cat the cat <laughs> dude yeah fire the lasers because yeah you don't see him in the first movie you just see him petting his cat this whole first movie and then the second movie you do see him and he's like dr evil gumpy as fuck <laughs> yeah damn eye patch uh no damn okay that's number two the one cliche he doesn't have <laughs> 
He does have a number two, though, I'm pretty sure. So his number two doesn't have an eye patch, like number two. Yeah, like Austin number two. Powers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Number two. Two. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. I love those movies. Yeah, those movies are so great. The Him shooting off in the big boy statue at the end of the oh, first dude, one. Yeah. Where Iconic. They're, where they're going through the little fucking, the little sequence, too, where he's like, Nuts, get your nuts. Yeah. <laughs> or your peanuts, get your peanuts. Dad, that looks like a giant dick. <laughs> or what? what's he say? Fucking, uh, ah, something like that. Fucking. It's been too long yeah, since I've seen that it's, movie. It's, I, it's an iconic. The thing that I think that I think about most is like when we're at work and we're like moving a tube and it gets stuck. I think of that scene where he's like in the the golf oh, cart trying to turn yeah. it in the aisle. Yeah, and he's got it like completely <laughs> stuck. I I relate to that so much so often at work. And he turns around yeah. and moves two inches and hits a wall. He's like, <laughs> I have no fucking room to move. Yeah, dude, that's legit. That's yeah. legit. Like literally, dude, are you? Going to pull a tube past another tube, and the carts <laughs> yeah. the carts decide to mate, and it's like, okay, just yeah, fucking breathe. Just keep it together. I'm at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always think of that. It just keeps cutting back to him, and it just is getting worse and worse. And he's <laughs> yeah. like completely like sideways, impossibly. Eventually. Yeah, impossibly <laughs> sideways. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one, man. That is a good scene. Yeah, I always used to laugh when. uh Fucking mini me, and uh, is it when mini me he ends up taking mini me as his sidekick? Oh, yeah, and the and third the, one, where yeah. he's dressed like Austin Powers, yeah. yeah. And then they get into that shootout with that uh, that dude with, in, with the turban. What was his name? Oh, I can't remember. I'm all right, yeah, I'm all right. He falls off the cliff. <laughs> if somebody would just come yeah. and. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I used to replay that. My brothers and I would laugh at that. Every time we replayed it, dude, it was like the stupidest thing. You know, Mini-Me's got his little fucking mini gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think your favorite movie is? Ooh. God damn, it's almost got to be on genre. My favorite movie? It's a complicated question. It depends on mood, time of the year. Like, there's uh, definitely certain stuff that goes into it. There is. I don't think I could nail. I don't think I could say one. I could. I could say five. I could probably give you like a top three, top five. Top three, top five would be good. But if I'm okay. I immediately went to what movie could I watch no matter the mood, no matter the time of day. Don't hate me. Apocalypto. <laughs> Apocalypto, bro. There's something. No affiliation with Mel Gibson. There's, that's not the reason. Okay. And I get you got to read through the whole thing with the subtitles, but Apocalypto. I don't Dude. think I've seen that movie. I'll have to check it out. What? Yeah. That's um, your new favorite movie, bro. Uh, my, the thing I've been doing on IMDb lately is, is that they'll, like, recommend you movies based on, like, what you've rated. And it's, like, they will give you a long list. So I've been going through the whole list and, like, rating all of the movies. So it'll, like, finally give me, 
like movies I haven't seen before to watch because I have no seen a lot of movies. Like I have seen a lot of movies, but like I haven't seen like all of the movies. Like it's a, it's a you know, there's like I haven't seen the, that, that movie before. I have I have heard Bro. people talk about it, like bitching about having to read through the whole movie. Bro, I have heard people talk about that before. It's so fucking. Oh my god! Okay, so basically, it's it's about this native guy. I think they're Mayans, and they're nomadic, right? They're in the jungle. They're obviously nomadic. They're Mayans. They're well, no, they're not obviously nomadic because they do have a settlement, but they're doing things like uh, in the one of the opening scenes is a couple of the guys go out hunting and they kill a pig, and then. Uh, they herded into this trap. They have sprung fucking it. <clears throat> pig gets impaled on this trap. They take it off. They're all cutting it up. <clears throat> and then um, there's like a lot of little side lines in it. Like the dude that herded it into the trap gets to disseminate or to uh, disperse certain parts of the pig, right? So he's like, you get the whatever and everybody's like oh you know like the kidneys or whatever and everybody's like oh me 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 and then he gives it to this one guy and then he gives him a little speech that is you know for your bravery or whatever and then it gets to his balls and then he's like he gives this one guy the balls and everybody's kind of laughing and the dude's like oh man but the subline is the guy hasn't been able to get his wife pregnant right so there's kind of that story in it but basically it's it follows this one guy and all of a sudden he wakes up in the middle of the night one of his dogs is barking then you hear it fucking dead and he's like what the fuck and then all of a sudden their village gets raided by another tribe and people are fucking taken hostage kidnapped fucking all this shit right raped whatever it doesn't show rape or anything, but like you get the point that women, women are, are taking that grabbed very aggressively, yeah, <laughs> and dragged off into the jungle with by one dude, you know. So you, like you get the point, and it follows this one guy who sneaks his wife and his kid out, and his wife's pregnant. Okay, and he finds like this little hole or something. I'm not going to spoil it. Hides them, and then he ends up getting taken hostage. And then as the story kind of progresses, like, he's taken hostage by, like, and the rest of his tribesmen, obviously they're saving, like, most of the men, you know, I think there's a couple of women on the journey, but they tie all these men to a couple logs, and they're walking them through the jungle, and, uh, they're walking them to a sacrificial temple, right, so... It's like a three, four-day walk through the jungle. They cross this big-ass river, blah, blah, blah. Walking along cliffs and shit. And then as they're getting closer to the temple, they get closer to, like, a city. So you're starting to see people mining. You're starting to see, like, sewage running. Because, obviously, they had, like, some sort of piping system and shit. Like, troughs or whatever in the city. And then you can find out where it's running out of the city. Then they get into the city, and there's this market. People are trying to buy them. They're covering them with this fucking talc or whatever. You know, they're painting them. They get put in this temple, and then it's... You realize that they're being sacrificed, 
because there's this other tribe of people that these guys went out and took hostage, brought them back, and then they're sacrificed before. So, like, as these people are being sacrificed, they're getting ready to get put on this block, and then the guy that it's following gets put on the block, and his heart's getting ready to be cut out or whatever, and then, like, an eclipse happens. And then the king or whatever, he's like, okay, this is a sign, obviously. Like, our God is pleased with the blood we've spilled. Well, what do we do with the rest of the prisoners? Let them go. So they let these guys go, but the catch is they're running down this alley. And as they let them go, they make a game out of killing them, right? Dude, it's good. Sounds it's good. Intense. Well, yeah. And I don't want to spoil it, but at the end of it, there's, oh, fuck. there's, it's such a good ending, dude. It's such a good ending. It's like an iconic ending clip because you want so much more. And it's like, are you going to watch it? Yeah. Okay. Then I won't spoil it. All right. I, I won't spoil it. We'll talk about it when you see it. But yeah, it's like literally he comes to an, to the end of his journey and you're like, they caught him. They're going to kill him. And then all of a sudden... Like, the two guys that finally trapped him, they just fucking freeze. And he's standing there, and he's, like, looking out over the ocean. And he's waiting to die. And he turns around, and these guys are just fucking staring. And then he's like, how's my chance? So he runs right between them, boom, back into the jungle. And it's just... I'm not going to ruin it, but when you see it, dude, you'll be like, that's some deep shit. And I've been waiting for a sequel. Bro. It ain't coming. Yeah, def definitely not now. <laughs> no. No, definitely not now, dude. And I'll check it out. Yeah. Apocalypto. So, yeah, give me your top three, and then we can call it. I know it's getting late. Oh, man. I would say one that always comes to the top of my head is The Outsiders. Damn. I love that movie. I love that book. Pony uh, Boy, bro. Yep. I read the sequel to the book. It. It's not as good, but... There's a sequel? Yeah, there's a sequel to the book. I think there's a sequel to the... There's a sequel... There's, there's a sequel to the book, another book, and there's a movie made about that book. So it's technically like a sequel movie to The Outsiders, but it's not really because Pony Boy's like not a... He's like a side character almost in oh, the second okay. movie or in the second book. So different plot line. Yeah, different plot line, different people. Like, yeah. Okay. But that movie's always one that always comes back to me. Like, I love that movie yeah, since a, I was a kid. That is a good one, man. <clears throat> that is a good one. As for the other two, man, I don't know. It's a tough question. I don't know. There's this movie Nicolas Cage made a couple years ago with uh, Pedro Pascal. It's called uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, where Nicolas Cage plays Nicolas Cage. What? And Pedro Pascal is like this rich, uh, like, like rich guy that pays Nicolas Cage to like come to his birth. It's, it's, it's so funny, dude. It's, yeah, it's like okay. one of the, I remember seeing that movie in theaters a couple of years ago and laughing harder than I've laughed at a movie in a long time. That's <laughs> one of my favorite movies for sure. That's a good measure. Yeah. Okay. Back to the Future Part 2. For the third? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Those are my three. Yeah, that's, that's a good three. I haven't, I haven't seen, uh, 
what is it, the unbearable weight of massive, massive talent. talent? It's hilarious. I haven't seen that. <clears throat> I like Meet the Fockers. Or, no, sorry, Meet the Parents. That's a great movie. I just found out that that movie's a remake of an older movie called The In-Laws. What? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Um, I know I'm not thinking too deep right now, but analyze this. I like analyze this. Analyze that? Analyze this and analyze that. But <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, there's a sequel. I can't remember which one's the first one. I think analyze this is the first one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like analyze this. Analyze that's pretty good too. When he gets released and then he's gotta be taken care of whatever what's his name is. And he's out of the life, you know. But dude, like those are kind of comedies. American gangster. Let me recant. Yeah. I'm a sneak American gangster in there, dude. That's a deep one. I like American gangster. Hell yeah. Casino too, dude. Goodfellas? Goodfellas is great. My brother Fuck. just watched that for the first time not too long, like a couple weeks ago, and he was talking to me about it. Get your fucking shine box. Yeah, dude. I don't shine shoes no more. I told you. I don't shine shoes no more. Yeah, man. Ah, fuck. And one of my favorite scenes, as morbid as it is, is when they're all, like, talking cool. They're going to kill that one guy in the car, right? They're all talking cool. Yada, 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 let's go do this. And they're bullshitting with each other. Then they get in the car, ice pick to the head. And then they all yeah. get immediately back out of the car and just keep talking shit. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck, dude? The best. Savage. Savage, dude. Ruthless. Ruthless. All right, man. Well, I know it's getting late. I'll, uh, fuck. I didn't realize we were 320. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'll, uh, let you get out of here. And Hell yeah. Thanks for having me back on. To the fam. No problem. You have anything you want to plug? Uh, no. Not at the moment? Not at the moment, I guess. No, you can follow me on whatever you want. I'm, I'm Satisfied Nerd on Twitter. Okay. And YouTube. And YouTube? Yeah, no, no YouTube videos, but I'm on there. All right, <laughs> yeah. You got a uh, TikTok, Instagram, anything like that? You want to plug? Nope, I'm lame. What do you mean? Yeah, I don't think, dude. We just went three twenty. <laughs> if you were lame, we'd have went like twenty minutes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, definitely when you get the book finished, come back on before that if you want, dude. Like I said, always an open door, but definitely when you do get it finished, come back on. We'll talk a little more in detail about it as far as, like, what you did as far as your process to finish it. Maybe some things you learned along the way, yada, yada. You know what I mean? Then plug it. Obviously plug it. Where people can find it, what you're going to do to sell it, whether it's fucking paperback, digital copy, whether you're going to do an audio book. You just come back on and fucking plug all that. All right, yeah. I'll come back and talk about it. All right, man. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Whistlepig. If you would like to support this podcast, please like and subscribe, rate and review, and follow on social media at Whistlepig Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. You can email questions or comments to whistlepigpodcast at gmx.com. That's G as in girl, M as in man, X as in x-ray.com. And until you hear from me again, get outside, take a kid with you, 
and stay free.